Greetings. Uh, I am Mr. Beat, and this is another episode of 10 Questions, where I come up with 10 questions, open-ended questions, hopefully that will lead to a great conversation. And then another one of my colleagues, uh, a YouTuber, usually an edutuber, uh, also they come up with 10 questions, and then we take our 10 questions and we ask them to each other. Um, We have not told each other about these questions uh, in advance, so it's a surprise. Hopefully it will lead to the best conversation ever. Thanks for being here, though. I uh, shout out to uh, Charity and Crystal who've been going back and forth here, like waiting for this thing to start. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, my guest today, I've known him since I believe 2017 or 2018. I met him at, at a an event, uh, an event where it was other edutubers, and we all networked and we uh, workshop stuff. Um, and then over the years, we've, you know, I've actually had the pleasure of seeing him in person, uh, a few times over the years, most recently, uh, in, uh, New York city, uh, YouTube put a conference on for, um, edutubers. Um, so educon is what they call it. Anyway, I'm, I'm rambling. I just want to, uh, introduce, uh, Nick from science asylum. Uh, so here he is, uh, Everyone, give a warm welcome. All right, I still need to get the applause sound effects. Uh, hey, everybody! Yeah, my second uh, science YouTuber. I usually like the first few episodes were, uh, you know, history tubers, as we call ourselves. But you, uh, why don't you just tell the folks, like, because a lot of my viewers maybe aren't familiar with you, so just. Tell them about yourself and your channel. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I host I, my channel is the Science Asylum. I basically the 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 gist is basically that I'm like a mad scientist, and I have a bunch of clones that do specific tasks for me. Um, and uh, I try to teach science, physics, and astronomy mostly through humor. Yes. Uh... I gotta say, I gotta like inflate your ego right now. You're you're one of my favorite science channels on YouTube, and it, it stands out because like you know I'm very picky with what I watch when it comes to science and really educational stuff overall. Like uh, the first science channel I really got into, which probably most people on this platform back in the day uh, was. Well, take a guess what which one you think it was. Like the first science channel I, I watched on YouTube, uh, say 2011. Me, I'm gonna guess. Yeah, yes. Uh, that would have to be Veritasium. Uh, that was the second one. Yeah, oh. <laughs> uh, Vsauce was the first. Vsauce. Um, okay. He does a lot of psych- psychology and sociology, I guess, too. But um, but Veritasium was the second as well. But your channel uh, is right up there with those two. Like you're able to get someone who's typically not interested in this stuff into it. And my favorite videos of yours tend to revolve around uh, astronomy and, uh, you know, quantum mechanics. That stuff's always, you know, juicy. Cause just cause it's so weird. And it's just like mind blowing stuff. You know, you're just like, it's still, I mean, because another thing is you take very complicated um, 
concepts and you break them down so well um, that I, I don't feel like an idiot watching you. And But at the same time, like I feel your audience does is, is knows their stuff. So it's weird. You're able to like attract, um, you know, novices like me, but also people that are more well-versed in uh, that stuff. <laughs> so yeah, props. Thanks. <laughs> uh, check, subscribe to the science asylum. Okay. So um, anyway, I go, oh, we already have super chats here. We'll try to um, take some questions at the end. That's usually what we do. So if you have a question you would like to ask me or Nick, um, please try to wait till the end. Hopefully you're still here in a couple hours. This is usually how long it lasts. Uh, but Alexander Hamilton, of course, is here. Um, uh, okay, eat apple. Okay, uh, I do. I actually ran out of apples. I have lots of bananas upstairs. But thank you, Alexander Hamilton, for the uh, super chat. And Travis, thank you as well. Uh, he didn't run in 2016, I thought, because, uh, you know, it was Hillary Clinton's turn, you know? Everybody, I mean, she was the anointed one. It's the same reason why the Democratic Party was uh, generally upset that Bernie was running, you know, I was like, who's this guy? Hillary, you know, we had already planned on Hillary and Joe had bowed out. So that was why, um, because he wanted, he, he didn't run out of respect to, uh, to Hillary Clinton. Uh, anyway, okay, we got those out of the way. So get the ticker on the screen. Uh, we, oh, I want to tell you, Nick, uh, it doesn't matter what order you go if you want to jump around with your questions. So don't feel obligated. <laughs> Yeah, it might be nice not to put the all the the heavy ones up front. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I'll start us off. Okay. So my first question uh, for you, I think I'll still stick with the first one I have here. Um, when did you know you wanted to be a science communicator, and why did you start your channel? Oh uh, well, I think um, I actually I was never comfortable speaking in front of people uh that was always i was like oh, this isn't me i hated speech class you know um but then i ended up having to i ended up having to teach some like physics labs while i was going through grad school and um i the first day i walked in i was so nervous you know sweating um <laughs> And uh, I walked in and I got up in front of the class and I was like, I, I just, I, I, I looked up and I looked at all their eyes and I was like, this, this is it. This is, I, this is where I'm, you know, I'm supposed to be teaching stuff. I want to talk about, I'm, I'm so, I was just so excited to talk about what I knew and, yeah. you know, help them and everything. Um, and so that's when I knew that I was going to be an educator but uh after about oh wow um i started the youtube channel in 2013 oh that long ago okay yeah so i'm coming up on on the 10 years of my first video anniversary nice uh but i think in 2013 i had been teaching for a while and it there was no, there was no real sign of it ever being full time for me. Uh, there just weren't positions available, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I kind of had accepted that I was just going to like be teaching part time for the rest of my life and, you know, not have enough money to survive basically. <laughs> uh, but 
I realized that there were things I wanted to talk about that I couldn't, I didn't really have an opportunity to talk about in my classroom because, you know, course descriptions and stuff are very specific. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I had watched a few other, you know, edgy tubers like Vsauce or Veritasium. And I was like, I could probably do that. <laughs> uh, and of course I was terrible at it at first, but I, I think we all are. We all yeah. are. Um, I started it and I really enjoyed having the outlet and I didn't know if it was going to go anywhere or be a job or anything, but I, I liked having the outlet. And so I did it. I just kept doing it for a long time. Um, and then eventually it just kind of became, so I guess it's more of a gradual, gradual discovery about myself than, mm -hmm. than a, a moment of decision. Yeah. YouTube is one of those things where you're learning on the job. And everybody, but the difference is everybody sees you learning on the job. <laughs> right. It is and, embarrassing. Uh, my early stuff is pretty cringy. In fact, my first, I think 16 or 17 videos are all set to private. No one, no one can see them anymore. I, you told me you did that. I, I've only done that to a couple videos that, and really those videos were more specific to my actual students that I used to have. And that's kind of like I had one video where my brother and I were just going over World, World War One vocabulary. <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know why anyone would ever watch this other than my own students. And so but otherwise, I still have my early stuff up there and uh, I'm tempted to, to. But at the same time, though, it's kind of cool that like there's a certain charm about it, too. I think right. Some people like to see that, although I, YouTube is making it more and more difficult to find older videos by creators. Have you noticed that, that you can't, uh, I have I actually noticed, um, a video I had, that it was, a uh, it, it went super viral and it was like the only time that I had a video that I knew was going to be really big. Um, and it was the, I don't know if you said it was the, uh, how many earths fit in the sun. Yeah. I remember uh, that and it, it was doing really, really well. And then about like last July or August, all of a sudden the views just tanked. Like they decided that it, the algorithm decided it got old enough and it was just not going to serve it to anybody anymore or something. And yeah. it decided it exhausted the, uh, well, the pool. at the same time, I, my assassination of Abraham Lincoln video, which I made in 2013, uh, it's not very good, but randomly about six months ago, uh, this would have been about the time I saw you last actually. Um, just the algorithms decided to promote the heck out of it. And it, for a while there, it was getting like a thousand views an hour. I'm just like, this is a video I made nine years ago. It's crazy. Yeah. So. And I mean, I, I even I when I watch stuff, I, you know, there's channels I watch all the time and I don't see anything, even with new stuff that it's suggesting, you mm -hmm. know, channels that I haven't watched before. I don't see anything older than two years. Weird. Yeah. You can't sort by oldest or by release date anymore on, 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 uh, mobile like if you go to open up youtube on mobile uh you like you i don't think you can do that anymore huh like if i go to your channel right now i bet i can't let me try <laughs> people are probably doing that right now by the way yeah everyone everyone's trying it out uh oh by latest okay yeah yeah you but you can't you can't flip it in reverse order you can't do it in reverse anymore I, and i was like dang because i love to go to see the you know the the first videos of yeah. creators so I mean, it's how I, I watched when I first found Vlogbrothers all those many years ago. I ended up um, 
when I, I, I got into it, I was like, I'm going to go back and watch their entire back catalog, but I want to watch it in order, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so I just went in, I flipped it in reverse order. Like, let's go to town. That's something that you and I think have in common. We're basically like nerd fighters. Um, yep. Cause we've, yeah, I've been watching those guys since about 2010 or so. And we've both been lucky to meet them and mm-hmm. very nice fellows, very supportive of the EduTuber community. It's been, anyway, uh, what's your first question for me? Oh, uh, <laughs> let's start with a, let's start with a light one. Uh, how do you choose your topics? Like what does your creative process look like? Yeah, I used to have way more content that was curriculum based. And so uh, that's gone down significantly in in recent years because, you know, a lot of that stuff doesn't necessarily do very well. But I still, you know, like my Supreme Court briefs uh, videos, I still am inclined to make those because uh, I just know that AP Gov teachers play them and they need them. I even have AP Gov students that are like, hey, why haven't you made a video for this case that we need to know about, you know? Um, So that's kind of motivating me to do do some curriculum stuff um, that I know that they have to learn it in the classroom. Um, But anymore, that's more like 15, 20% of my content. Um, The other 80% is, uh, I would say, split between what the audience wants to see and what I just want to make, whether people want to see it or not. Um, what's interesting is I think sometimes my audience doesn't know what they want to see. And I think that's uh, why I, that might sound like a bold statement, but I think it was just proven correctly with what the video I just released on Friday. <laughs> I, I released a video about every impeachment in American history. Literally no one requested that, but I just know my audience. like heck yeah where you list it all out no one's and no one had ever made that video before on the platform that i'm aware of so i was really excited to see you know that it's been doing well um just fun to make too so more and more like obviously we do this full time now we have to pay the bills so we have to be careful with like do you find yourself uh there was a video you released uh what was it uh a few months back that you were all about it. You're just like super passionate about it, but then like the audience wasn't quite clicking on it. Right. What was that video about again? I mean, there was one that tanked a couple of years ago that I did this. I I learned, I figured out, I finally figured out how to do uh, probabilities with dice. Yeah. it, It, it just did so poorly. And I, I don't know why exactly I have some guesses, but, um, Maybe I'm thinking, okay, let me, I'll, I'll, is I'll this is more recent. Yes. It was, uh, I think it was, oh, uh, it's the stress patterns one. Maybe with the, 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 the protractor in the thumbnail. Yes. That's it. That's, yeah. That's the one. Cause you were like, I remember just frustrated. You messed with me. And I'm still, I'm still <laughs> frustrated about it. I mean, it's doing fine in the long run. I gave it a, uh, searchable t- a more searchable title so it's it been like, better now you must have yeah i'm gonna show I, it I, I gave it a more too. searchable title so that it would um at least you know it would at least come up in people's searches when they wanted to look for it mm-hmm. but it didn't really have that initial 
you know, burst from, I just don't think my, like, you know, the, a lot of the times the your subscribers see it early, especially the notification squad. Mm -hmm. And, um, a lot of them just didn't, they weren't into it. Yeah. It, it, it just wasn't a topic that they were interested in, I guess. And like that happens sometimes you kind of misjudge. Well, yeah, that's, that's me and my Oregon trail video. <laughs> But I don't care. It was a it was a lot of fun to make. <laughs> I had Oops. fun with it. I got to do so. I got to break glass in my garage. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's always fun breaking stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go. My second question. We try to have segues, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. Um, yeah, some of these aren't related to science at all. By the way, that's okay. I'm. I'm here for whatever. Ah, oh, shoot. Okay, well, but yeah, let me do that. Speaking of which, um, science or history, which is better at predicting the future and why? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on, on what kind of future you're trying to predict, I guess. I think if you're just trying, I mean, if, as long as it doesn't involve people, Science isn't very good at people. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, like physics can does a great job of predicting, you know, what's going to happen with the planets. I mean, we we can know for like a thousand years when all the solar eclipses are going to happen. That's so crazy. That Down is... to the minute, you know. Right. Um, but when it comes to people, people are complex. And I think that makes us unpredictable. Um, and so you kind of have to rely on things like history and, you know, so social aspects of things like that. I just wonder if sometimes you say humans are unpredictable, but maybe it's because we don't know ourselves well enough. And maybe we don't know ourselves well enough because maybe there's like this, we're guarding ourselves from knowing too much because maybe that mm -hmm. might be uncomfortable to like truly know ourselves you know what i mean maybe maybe we don't want to know ourselves exactly like i notice about like I, you know psychology especially but sociology as well like the they're just so fascinating but at the same time if you really go down those rabbit holes you it starts to be uncomfortable because you're just like you know all your insecurities bubble up you know and I'll, like you just think about like oh so that's this whole time, that's the reason why I was acting like that. It wasn't anything like greater than, you know, like, cause, cause sometimes also like we, we put ourselves on a pedestal as human beings. And so <laughs> if we find out too much also like, oh, we're just like, we're as boring as every other creature or. Yeah. We don't, we don't like to look at our own faults. <laughs> yeah. I'm always shocked when I learn something historical that isn't really that old. Like, oh, this thing happened in the sixties. And it's like, that wasn't that long ago. You know what? 60 years at this point? It's less than a century ago. And yeah. there were still horrible things happening to people. And it's just, well, I think we have, we have greatness and horror inside of us all, I guess. We do. And so are you, so what is your final answer on that though? Like, cause I have a pretty What's better predictor. Uh, yeah. I think. Um, we can, we can understand the brain scientifically all we want, but I think 
historical patterns are always going to be a better predictor of how people behave and are going to behave in situations than than you know neuroscience could ever tell us i did leave it pretty open-minded because i didn't mention humans i just said the future right so but yeah that's a good answer though like when it comes to humans uh maybe history but when it comes to everything else science science that's what i would say yeah i think it depends it's it's the context that matters i mean people will will argue oh well history is one of the social sciences but the the social sciences are far from perfect. They're, you can't compare the social sciences to uh, any of the other sciences because it every every perception you know is subjective. We all have our biases. We all have our uh, the way that we frame things when we present them and uh, what we choose to focus on, what we choose to ignore when we're researching. I mean, it's that's you know. There's so many things that can go wrong when you're studying history, but whereas when you're studying uh, more of the hard sciences, as they call them, you know, physics, like more uh, chemistry, other stuff like that. Um, it's just like, oh, well, we don't have a need to throw our biases in there, you know? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I think I think we are. I think our biases still play a role in science, too, here and there. Oh, they and I do. Think um, I mean, if you're talking about like individual researchers, there are things that get ignored, um, not necessarily maliciously, but like there are things when I'm researching a video that I, I'll put out a video and then someone will mention something and I'm like, whoa, I didn't even think to look that up. Right. That's why it's good to have fact checkers and yeah. other people helping you. But yeah, we were kind of one people, one person shows here a lot of times. Uh, mm -hmm. I, uh. Well, my answer to that question is actually more like science is better at predicting the future. And that, I mean, you know, they say that history repeats its cliche, and I don't think it's true. I actually made a whole video about this. I think it rhymes. I think Mark Twain was more correct. It rhymes. It doesn't repeat. However, um, it is, it's almost reassuring to know that no matter how rapidly technology is changing, uh, you know, generally, if you were to meet somebody from the past, even a thousand years ago, 2000 years ago, they're more or less, you know, someone we can connect with, um, have a lot in common with is in terms of our emotions, I think mostly, um, even like intellect, I think, uh, people of the past get a bad rap when it comes to like, oh, they're all idiots back then. Like, well, I don't, I wouldn't say that. I would say they, didn't see what we see now, but the only reason why we see everything we do now is because we have all these lesson, more lessons to learn from that they didn't have, you know? Yeah. And I think, uh, things progress, like our knowledge of the world progresses a lot faster now because we have more people looking at it. Right. In the past, there were just fewer opportunities for people to even, they wouldn't have time to to think about these sort of things. They're too busy surviving. Right. <laughs> yeah. We could get really deep on this if we really wanted to. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let it. <laughs> What's your uh, next question? My next question. Um, do you think absolute power corrupts or does power <laughs> just attract corrupt people? Ah, that's a classic question. I love it. Uh, I would say, I think, power tends to corrupt. Uh, unfortunately, that's what I, that's where I lean. And the reason why I say that is because 
I think most people that get into politics, I mean, the vast majority, uh, even like maybe as high as 95%, if you want to put a number to it, they go, they get into it initially for the right reasons. They want to make society better. They want to help people. They want to make the world a better place. But um, the systems, I think, are actually the corrupting things a lot of times. And the best example that I bring up all the time to my viewers is, uh, you know, let's take the American um, legislative branch at the federal level, the United States Congress. Um, you have members of, of, you know, like there's a, a few that are in there now that they're, they just started in January. They had never, you know, they're, they're all bright eyed and bushy tailed and they think that they can make a big difference. Um, but what's, happens is they soon enough they're realizing oh um there's all of these special interests that are uh putting huge pressure on me but the main thing i'm really worried about is i got to spend 50 percent, maybe more of my time raising money so that i can win election again in two years or six years um and then not only that i have <laughs> Some of them have over a million people to represent. Um, some of them, if they're a senator, they have like tens of millions of people that they're supposed to make happy. Um, that's impossible to make everybody happy. And so you kind of, there's a certain point where the job becomes just so um, futile that you're just like, you know what? I'm just gonna uh, just do the bare minimum to, to, to kind of stay in this game. And because they're doing the bare minimum, they're 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 having to make compromise moral compromises they're literally like uh, going against their own values because they know like to to survive in this crazy political system that's just what you have to do and so a lot of times when, I, when people are like oh well these dang politicians whatever i'm like well uh <laughs> like why not attack the system? We can all agree the system sucks. You know, that these systems that are in place are really what we need to be reforming. Um, and then, yeah, as far as the, to be back to your question, the, the corruption part, I mean, corruption is legal <laughs> um, in the United States. It is like you, uh, it, we don't a lot of times call it bribes, but we, you know, like there's a uh, Joe Manchin, the Senator from West Virginia, uh, he gets a lot of financial support from the coal in industry. And so he's always like doing whatever he can to make sure that coal, um, the, the whole industry is protected. Um, and that's a corrupt thing because he's basically abusing his power. That's what corruption is when you're abusing your own power uh, for either personal gain or the gain of your friends. And uh, so it's like he... That's how he gets reelected is the coal industry. So he's not going to like shoot his own foot. Why would he shoot his own foot? Like if he wants to stay in office, I mean, we can't blame him for wanting to respond to these incentives. We just have to change the incentives. That's when that means changing the entire system. Sorry, I could go on for a while. Sure. Did you answer your question? Did, did... Uh, it did. I usually go the opposite direction. Oh, but... yeah, please. Why do yeah. you go the opposite direction? Um, I, I, I just, I met a lot of people. Um, and I, I mean, maybe there's some level of like people, people do change over time and, you know, when confronted with certain environments, sure. But I, I think on some level, there are people that will, you know, stay true to the core of themselves 
And those people just don't want the job. Hmm. They don't want to be a politician. <laughs> That's a big issue. Like, uh, and so I think that like, it just leaves all this room for, you know, corrupt or at least corruptible people to ah. take control. <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah. So I, I will have to say, I agree with that as well, because yeah, who, who actually runs for public office in the first place is people that, yeah, you know, maybe their ego is a little bit bigger than the average person. Uh, there's a right. sense of, uh, the, you know, that, oh, you know, I got to leave a legacy, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, systems are certainly a problem. They're set up in a way to benefit people right. who are selfish, for example. Uh, and so those types of people, people who are selfish or already selfish or have become selfish are just, they're, they end up being the most successful in systems like that. Interesting. Yeah. That's a big issue is that the people that should be running for public office just are, they don't want to do it. You know, like Mr. Rogers, you know, well, he could have ran for for president. Why would Mr. Mr. Everybody would have loved Mr. Rogers. He would have done what was right, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I Yeah, I think that's always, uh, it tends to be when I study political history, I gravitate toward the, uh, the characters who are unwilling to be in power, but they're kind of just forced into it. I mean, obviously I bring up, my viewers are sick of this, but I bring up George Washington all the time. <laughs> like as someone, he didn't want to do it, but everyone around him is like, you, who else is going to do it? You have to do it. If you don't do it, our country is screwed. No right. pressure. <laughs> and so, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, hopefully it's been a while since it seems like we, it's been a while since we've had a president specifically uh, who's like somebody who wasn't ambitious and mm -hmm. that, yeah, those selfish tendencies, you know, like, yeah, interesting. All right. Well, I don't want it to get too cynical here. Uh, so let's bring it. Let's, uh, <laughs> some of these questions are not a good segues at all. Um, okay. What has been the most amazing discovery in your lifetime? the most amazing discovery in my lifetime uh, would have to be gravitational waves. Uh, they were kind of, so for those who don't know, um, and people are familiar with waves on like water or waves on a string or something, but like lots of things can wave. Uh, and in this case, like th this is the, this is kind of weird, but like space and time itself can actually wave. Right. Uh, and it was something that we had suspected for a while, like since, you know, Einstein's days back in the twenties, the teens, the 19 teens. Um, it was one of the predictions of what we now call general relativity. And mm -hmm. we hadn't, it was the one thing we hadn't like found yet. It was the, the one last prediction from that that model that we hadn't found yet. And then uh, back in, what was it, 2015, I think, we had the first discovery of a gravitational wave. We had spent, you know, a decade or two building a gravitational wave observatory. I don't even know how much it cost uh, and uh, off the top of my head. And we built it and it started detecting them. 
Um, very infrequently, we had to give it a little like boost a year or two later, and it started detecting them all over the place. We gave it a bigger range. But um, this was absolutely huge, not just because it was the last discovery from that that model that we have been using for a century, but also because it gives us a, a new way to look at the universe. Because also, yeah, because like for since the beginning of astronomy, the only way we've been able to look out into space and see things was through light. And so that light light is a type of, of wave and it it arrives here from these distant places, these distant stars, and, and it was the only way we could get information about these places. And it takes but a while now we here. now we have a second thing, a second type of wave that we can yeah. use to examine the universe, and that's a really big deal. Yeah. The discoveries have just it's exponential, it seems like in terms of uh, space and I mean how many planets are discovered in a given week? It's a lot now. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember thousands. Yeah, it's in the 1990s. I remember like, oh, they found a planet. <laughs> I'm like, but now it's just like they find a planet like, you know, by the time, like the last couple minutes. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, somebody actually said, uh, oh, Harrison. <laughs> Pluto not being a planet? Is that a normal answer? <laughs> it is a normal answer. Um, I honestly, I was thinking about that question the other day and I, I didn't know how to, like, I don't know. Like, I judge, when I think of uh, progress, a lot of times, you know, it's technology. You don't think about discoveries as a as something, I think it's, are there any honorable mentions? Anything else that you should give a um, Off the top of my head, I, I can't, I can't think of anything that big or even remotely that big. Yeah. And I think it's something that's underappreciated too. gravitational waves. Like, cause it's, it's not all that exciting. Like you say, Oh, the space and time can wave. And then you show some cool little graphics and everyone's like, Oh, okay. And you don't really like get, you don't feel the, like the, the gravitas of like how big of a deal this is for astronomy. Pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're not getting the gravity of gravitational waves. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, well, that's another reason, like, I think I probably first learned about that. <laughs> I mean, this is embarrassing to say in one of your videos. Um, but I mean, yeah, 2015, not that long ago. I was mm -hmm. well out of school by that point. <laughs> ah, that's cool stuff. I'm going to have to learn more. All right. Your turn. All right. Question yeah. number three. Um, let's see here. That's a good one. Uh, what video are you most proud of? Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's still the Oregon trail video. I think like, uh, I was talking, the last stream I did, uh, like this was with uh, professor Dave and he asked me a similar question. Um, but it was also like, you know, it was a very disappointing video because it didn't perform very well. But I think that I, it's probably the at this point, it's the best video I've ever made because it's it's very cinematic. It's um, we've got drone footage. We've got my whole family helped out. It was like a lot of fun to make with my family, even though I probably drove them nuts. <laughs> my daughters helped film it. Um, my my wife, Mrs. Beat, uh, she did the drone. She's 
she's a licensed drone operator now. She's a she's a pilot. <laughs> my, my wife's a pilot. Uh, yeah, and uh, just it was an adventure. I mean, driving a Tesla for the first time in my life. Um, and the whole gimmick was, you know, that it was an adventure to find charging stations along the way. That's the closest we're going to make it as an, you know, to connect it to the the 1840s when it, it was an adventure because, well, uh, no one was around for stretches. And if you got injured, you might die. Or if you got sick, you're probably going to die. Um, but yeah, it it's also beautiful, the seeing the country that way. If you ever get a chance to do it, like the auto tour, the Oregon Trail auto tour starts near where I live here, uh, Independence, Missouri, and it ends in Oregon City, Oregon, and the whole thing, I think, uh, it's a couple thousand miles, but uh, we did it in eight days, so rushed it a little bit. I would recommend doing it a little bit slower slower than that, so you can, uh, but you can see the, uh, did you, per chance, watch that video at all, or anything? Uh, I watched the whole thing in one sitting. It was very inspiring. Oh. Wow, you you're one of the few people that watched it. That means a lot. Thank you. It was fantastic. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I I hope that um it catches on again, but we'll see. <laughs> thank you for watching. Yeah, cuz like it, well that's the thing. Like everyone's watching shorts now and TikTok and it's just like that video is 2 hours and uh speaking of which, you tried shorts and I couldn't convince you to keep keep at it, but yeah, um, I, everyone I watch the shorts. Go and watch the shorts right now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling they you, just they just don't. The shorts, uh, I just got like okay, so I started making them right, and like you, you, when you first start, you want to experiment. Like, so I'm notifying my subscribers about it and everything, and then I just get a bunch of angry comments of people saying they don't want to watch this stuff. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'll just start not notifying people about them. <laughs> there's a little checkbox when you upload a video. I don't know if anybody knows this, but there's a little checkbox that says you can like not publish it to sub feeds and, and notification bells and stuff. Right. Uh, and so I've just been doing that with the shorts. And of course they don't do as well. Um, But I also, it's not just the performance. Like I just don't like... I'm my channel's all about the nuance and taking the time with the information. And there's just, there's just isn't room for that in 60 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh you have to really like the only thing I was thinking about that maybe would work for your channel is like maybe, you know, science news, basically like a brief uh, explainer about something in, like a discovery or something, you know, right. Oh, hey, we found out about this. Uh, there's people that make it work, but I think your style um, would have to adapt. And yeah, I mean, you and I have, a, I think have in common, we, we slow it down. Like uh, I think the problem with crash course, like that was the first educational YouTube channel that I watched. Cause I showed it to my students um, when I first started teaching crash course. And many of you watching have seen a crash course video. But I was always annoyed with how fast they talked and how they just kind of like, they didn't give you much time to reflect. Like you need time in a video to just like kind of think about what you just, you know, process, processing, processing, mm -hmm. just like your computer does. Uh, and that's why I intentionally will just like throw in a bad joke or a meme or just, you know, stare at the camera uh, <laughs> or, you know, repeat it. You do a good job of repeating things. You, mm -hmm. you don't, 
like, I, I mean, it's not like you're from the South. I'm not from the South either. People say I speak too slowly, but I, I think I've, I think because you and I have both been in the classroom, we've realized you do have to slow it down if you right. want people to actually learn. Um, and yeah, you can adjust the speed on, you know, you can make this what you're listening to right now. You can make us sound like chipmunks if you really want to, uh, whatever. But I think it's best for the default to be slow down because the goal is to get your listener to, or your viewer to actually. Right. Cause most people aren't going to speed it up or slow it down. They're just going to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and also I'm just, yeah, I gotta keep giving you props here. Cause like you, um, I don't want to call out any channels or anything, but there's a lot of ch educational channels out there, edutubers, that they just throw out big words as if the audience, like a you know your average 14 year old, is going to understand what you're talking about. They you if you're throwing out these big words, you've lost them. They've clicked away. You need to just dumb it down. There's no reason that like you're not trying to impress anyone. You don't need to try to sound smart. Um, how many times I said stuff? The word stuff in a video or this dude, you know, like right. we don't need to be pretentious, like try to. Uh, that's another great thing. We're not in, an, in the ivory tower like you because you taught college. You were an adjunct professor. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I never taught um, college level, but it, is there. There might be that culture of like you're trying to one up each other, maybe. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I didn't experience okay. that. Okay very much but like I, I mean i don't know if it's different in other departments my experience was with physics departments and so maybe the physics departments tend to be smaller and less competitive i think yeah um and so maybe there's less of that but yeah um there are definitely there are definitely uh college teachers professors that that are up on their high horse <laughs> that's all a thing that them. exists yeah yeah all right uh i think it's my turn or is it your turn I don't uh know. you answered my question about uh, what what video you were most proud of so that's I think what that makes started it your that turn. weird okay fourth question <laughs> um oh yeah i have an extra question on here but maybe i'll just sneak that in here somewhere um it's like there's gonna be time so i'm gonna get a little bit more personal here um okay and you feel free to say whatever you want. I know you've you've been public about this somewhat, um, but what are the biggest misconceptions about autism? Uh, yeah. So for anyone watching who doesn't know, uh, I'm autistic. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you haven't if you haven't if you haven't looked this up or anything, but uh, I think the a big problem is that a lot of times. Uh, autism is portrayed in a very stereotypical way in, you know, popular media. Um, I don't know if it's because lack of knowledge or if it's done, you know, for a joke, it's at, you know, an autistic person's expense, but, uh, it's, it's not, it's not a very good portrayal of it. Um, there is, you know, they always say like, it's a, it's a spectrum, but it's not like a linear spectrum. Um, it's, it's kind of a collection of traits, uh, and, um, it's not, it's not an illness. It's more a, a disability would probably be a better word. 
Uh, additional but, obstacles. Yeah, and so there are these. There are these. Uh, uh, you know, neurological traits that um, it's a very internal experience. Um, that that uh correspond to autism specifically and each each autistic person can have varying amounts of severity in each of these traits and so um it ends up looking to the outside it ends up looking like just a you know big conglomeration of of you know psychological disabilities or whatever but it it's it, it is really it is cohesive when you actually learn about it um it's just uh, a little complex and nuanced and that isn't always something that can be communicated quickly in, in, you know, a movie or a TV show or something. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of a, a bummer. And so like um, one of the, the problem areas can be verbal communication. And so there are some autistics that can't communicate verbally. Mm hmm um, and so you have to find ways to communicate in other ways, you know, um, and it's doable. You just got to put in some effort because our society isn't really set up for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's kind of, um, what creates a lot of the, uh, the disability aspect of it is that society is not meant for us. And so we kind of have to find a way to work in it and it doesn't always go very well. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. <laughs> well, and I think, I don't know, I feel like the modern world has made it, there, this is kind of a two-part two thing, because it's made it so that we can diagnose these things better because we have more information than ever before. But at the same time, the modern world itself, because it's there's just so many things coming at us, you know? Yeah. And there are uh, still there are still biases, even though we know more about it. Like the 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 diagno the official diagnostic criteria are still they still tend to be structured in a way that um involves like how autistic people interact with society, how they um display externally, and that ignores the internal experience. And the internal experience is really the autistic experience. I just hate how we don't, we just don't know what each other's really going through. You know, every, everyone like, uh, it would be cool if we could just kind of visit someone's brain and feel what they're feeling. And I know that's not, maybe that sounds really cheesy, but like, you know, like, cause I feel like the, it, it would make relationships so much better. We, it's hard for us to have empathy cause we don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh i you know i've been to social events with you and i i've noticed like you know that and that's interesting because i i've never had that problem but but at the same time i've people have said that i i have autism like uh because of certain traits that i have you know and but i don't you know i uh isn't the social aspect of it like the primary indicator is it or is it uh, not to the autistic person you know um yeah it might be to to you know the expert or whatever the the psychological expert that's there to diagnose you but 
Um, and, you know, it's hard for someone who is diagnosing you to see your internal experience. Like, I'm not saying that they, they should just, you know, be able to read my mind or anyone else's mind. Mm -hmm. And so that's hard. Uh, it makes, it makes it difficult. Yeah. Um, and so. <sighs> you weren't diagnosed until you were an adult. Yeah. Are um, you? It's, and that's because your own discovery, right? Your own. You right, well, because I think when I was a kid, this wasn't, it wasn't very well understood. Right. And so if you didn't fit the like stereotypical, you know, outwardly presenting image that everyone had of it, then you weren't necessarily going to be, be diagnosed. Um, and so it was just one of those things that like, I just kind of lived with my own internal experience and it was a huge relief to find out um later on but but yeah so um and you don't always need like an official documented diagnosis either because this is such an internal experience if you're not looking for uh you know assistance in, in any way, medical or governmental or whatever, like you don't actually need to pursue it, of course, unless you want to. Um, but it's not necessary. You have this thing called uh, self-diagnosis is valid. It's a thing that, uh, that we say. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you don't feel the need to have that, like, and you've gone through the research, um, and and talk to people and, and people who you know know about the stuff uh you can you can uh, identify as autistic without having a medical professional say that you are yeah i don't it's think a very welcoming community i don't think that's something that most people know <laughs> yeah uh, well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I, I was like kind of a gamble to ask you about that because I was like, oh, will he be comfortable? I don't, I don't have anything to hide. Nice. <laughs> and I mean, as as a speaking autistic, I I, I feel like um, it's on some level, it's it's at least in part, it's my duty to try and communicate some of these nuances to people and, you know, educate them about it. Of course. Yeah, it's a community, man. Community. Yeah, and obviously <laughs> I don't I don't necessarily speak for everybody, but I at least try to communicate some of the the obstacles and stuff that we we tend to run into. Well, who knows who's listening right now or watching right now who maybe has been on the fence about this stuff who's like maybe now going to explore it more because of what you just said. Right. Definitely if if you know, you feel like, you know, you look into it and you feel like it definitely pursue, you know, research. And if you end up spending like six months or a year researching into this, it, it might be a sign. <laughs> yeah. Because um, people who aren't autistic generally don't do that. Yeah. Well, just being honest with yourself and because that's, you know, I feel like that's one of the best ways to become truly yeah. happy. You know, mm -hmm. you're you're just not pushing it off to the side, discounting it. You're just bringing it all to the table. Um, yeah. And it's okay. It's okay to identify with a particular trait or, you know, experience of an autistic person and not be autistic. Like that's, that's right. 
that's uh might be where, where I am on certain things. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I won't get into that. Uh, all right. Well, well, I think it's your turn. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Is okay. Is the U.S. too big? Like, is it too diverse to be one thing? And I, and I don't mean like the red blue split, like the national divorce or anything. I just mean like regionally. Oh, wow. That's a bravo on that question. That's such a, maybe the best question I've gotten yet from in this series. Um, I would say, I would say no, because I think uh, I made a video recently about the, uh, you know, the whole national divorce concept, blue states and red states and all that. But it kind of got me thinking about, and I didn't get into this that much in the video. I should have, but, you know, what do we have in common, blue states and red states? Uh, first of all, blue states and red states, it's whack to even describe them like that, because within each state, everybody has differences. And, you know, obviously... Uh, just my own neighborhood is a great example of folks that have <laughs> wildly different political views, but we live literally next to each other. Um, but I think the things we have in common, I mean, freedom is the one unifying thing, I think, above all. Like, we, we Americans have different, you know, perspectives as far as what freedom means, which is why I... When uh, JJ McCullough and I did a live stream just on that concept, what does freedom mean? Because we broke it down basically to either it's you know freedom from or freedom to. Uh, and if you really think about, if the goal is always freedom, uh, then we generally I think will eventually work together because we all kind of uniformly in the United States realize that the authoritarianism in China. Uh, or in Russia, it's not something we want here. <laughs> we don't want a, a, a government that has too much power. Um, uniformly in the United States, people, you know, we, we look at North Korea and we're just like, this is uh, the opposite of what we want, you know? Nobody wants to totalitarianism. And so I, there is not one part of this country that, you know, where you're going to find people that are like, yeah, let's uh, come on, let's try to get a dictator. And uh, <laughs> like, uh, there might be like a self-described fascists, but even then, uh, and I've, yeah, they exist. Um, there are American fascists that they proudly say they're fascist. Um, but even then, like, it's not, it's not what you would think in terms of like, they don't want China's version of fascism or Russia's version of it. Um, you know, uh, I just don't think our country is going to divide anytime soon. I, I think the more I like last year, I did a live stream on Discord and I I said I told someone, someone was like, do you think we'll ever have a civil war again? If we have a civil war, what would it look like? I think the closest thing what we would have would be like you'd have a few pockets in rural areas where they would try to like. It would be like a Waco situation. Do you remember what happened with Waco? Waco, Texas in 1993, I think it was. Uh, I, I I don't think I... I need to make a video about this. Um, the Waco siege. Does that ring a bell? <laughs> I, I only remember the Waco. There was like a cult or something, but I think that's unrelated. Yeah, yeah. No, no. That is related. It you is related. It. Yeah. 
uh, the Branch Davidi- Davidians were the cults. Um, they were a religious cults. Um, they kind of did their own thing. Um, you could argue that the um, the federal government, at, you know, ATF, FBI, uh, did too much. Uh, they went way too far. And I understand people uh, being against that. It's actually one of the the inspirations for why Timothy McVeigh ended up conducting the Oklahoma City bombing. Um, but that 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 type of scenario is what I would imagine what we, we would see. And we probably will see some more of that. We'll see like, uh, you know, kind of extremist groups that they don't want to live by the, the rules anymore of the country. And they're going to try to do their own thing. And you're going to see the federal government swoop in um, and kind of take care of it. I, I just don't think that you have a, a widespread movement that's willing to just give up everything that our country stands for as much as like Russia and China would like to see that. It's just not going to happen. I think most Americans value freedom. So, uh, I don't, we're not too big. And the reason like, uh, even Canada, like Canada, the United States, we have so much in common that we, we could, we could join forces and wouldn't even be that big a deal. We could be even bigger is what I'm saying. <laughs> Bring it. Turn North America into one big, one big political entity. Yeah. No, I mean, I, people need to start seriously thinking about it. Like, cause if you want to compete, like say China and Russia and India join forces, they're just big, like, well, maybe we should join forces with Canada and Mexico. Like in terms of, we want to, I mean, we all generally, I mean, Mexico to a lesser extent, but <laughs> anyway, uh, you, what, do you, what do you think? Do you think um, too big? I, mean, I don't know. I, I, I think. I, I think that uh, we have problem with we have a problem with like national and like political identities, you know, and obviously we're all we're all mixed together, conservatives, liberals, whatever. And I think that's great. We should all be continue to be exposed to each other as neighbors, because if we're not, it's going to be real easy to, you know, turn someone else into one dimension, a one dimensional person. But um, and it's bad. No one's a one dimensional person. But um, I, I, I don't know if like we could use a restructuring because like there are certain things that. Certain laws that get put into place say on a national level that wouldn't necessarily apply very well to a local you know government a local community um and so like maybe like the nat you know the national government could be you know things that should definitely apply to all human beings you know or all mm-hmm. human beings that live in the country at least um and then maybe we kind of like add a regional government in between the national and the states, but I, I don't think we should split necessarily into separate oh, countries. That is interesting. So, but I think we might it, we, it might serve us better if we had it if we had another uh, layer, another layer in between. That's fascinating. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, what you're describing is federalism, but just a different version of federalism. We do already have federalism. We already have actually a. I mean, you you go from one state to the another. Um, you'd be surprised like actually how different the laws are. I, I live 30 miles from Missouri and it's uh, 
I mean, Missouri now has legal legal marijuana, for example. Kansas does not. <laughs> uh, even like, you know, what's taught in schools is dramatically different from state to state. So stuff like that. But yeah, like say you had a region like of like a southern region, say Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, uh, maybe not Georgia, uh, <laughs> um, Louisiana, Arkansas, they all united as a region above state. And then like they all said, hey, uh, we're going to ban abortion or something, which it's a bit ex extreme. But, you know, maybe the majority of people in those six states are fine with that. Um, but then, you know, at the national level, it's still like, you know, there's, it's not as extreme. Yeah, no, that's a, that's intriguing. Yeah. Maybe that's a future video idea. <laughs> yeah. Dang. All right. Uh, how can human beings... You mentioned human beings earlier and you're yeah. a human being. I'm a human being. Mm -hmm. The people watching, I think are, I hope uh, so. we've been around for approximately 250,000, maybe 300,000 years. How can we make it another 300,000 years? Cause it's, it's not a given. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, <laughs> I think that we have to, Something that we have trouble with, humans in general have trouble with, is long-term sight, long-term foresight. Mm. And uh, I think that, you know, that's one of the benefits of having um, intellectuals like ourselves that sort of like have a way of documenting these sorts of things um and and maybe being able this goes back to your earlier question about predicting the future but i i think that like you know since we have history we have sociology and we have science um we can we can do better forecasting than you know our limited human brains can do on their own and i think that um since we can't like alter our brains to be better at this, I think that um, we need to trust that experience and those, those records and that, that, you know, organized foresight. Otherwise we're not going to make it. Yeah. I mean, you could call that wisdom, right? Collective wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Like we've, there's just certain things that have ideas, especially that just will not go away. And there's a reason why they won't go away. Um, actually, I'm I'm planning on an upcoming series um, where it's just because I realized like, OK, I'm, I've been making videos about specific events in history, usually American history. But I'm like, well, maybe it's more worthwhile to just do big ideas, you know, like uh, and I know some channels have attempted to do this. But, you know, you can still bring up events that reflect that, those big ideas like. uh xenophobia <laughs> that's always like the, uh uh like uh trade they can, they can be like certain ideas that we we know we can you can like you can predict them back to an earlier thing like it's like it's a science you can almost you can you see it time and time again repeat um and it's something that we still haven't learned from 
uh, like, you know, another, I'm making a video about tribalism. That's going to be one of this, uh, the series is going to be called what's the big idea. Sorry. I just like saying it like that because that's a reference to an old, uh, Ernest movie. Uh, so the first episode of what's the big idea will be about tribalism. And if you think about it, tribalism, it's going to be hard to get rid of that because, you know, today we're divided on, you know, there's some people that are unfortunately too many people that are still racist. You know, they judge others on their, the color of their skin. Um, but there's also, you know, like this new phenomenon of like, uh, you know, like people hate transgender people. That's like a big issue now in the United States. But, um, you know, someday that's not going to be a thing. Like, the younger people will replace the older people someday, like transgender people. I'm, I'm hoping anyway, that it won't be a big deal anymore. Kind of like, you know, like when I was a kid, it was a bigger deal to be gay. Whereas now it's like, I just saw a Gallup poll. 72% of Americans are cool with gay marriage. That's mind blowing. It was like 27% in 1996. So, uh, over time people progress, you know, we ex were more accepting of different groups but there's always going to be another characteristic that's different. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I always bring up the example of what if we do colonize Mars someday? What's going to happen is you're going to have human beings on Mars who are, they're not going to be able to be physically the same as earthlings because of the gravi gravity differences. Right. And so you're going to have uh, these Martians will be, essentially different creatures than earthlings and imagine the <laughs> tribalism there like the hate that earthlings and martians are going to have to each other over time over generations and it's like we're just it won't go away because we have 250,000 to 300,000 years of evolution that we're fighting against it, we started out in small tribes <laughs> we we can't handle when there's even not more than 150 people that we know like we're still having a hard time wrapping our head around the fact that like, oh, wow, I know people on the other side of the world that they're not my family, you know, like, but for so much of human history, it was just little tribes, you know, and anybody outside of the tribe was like, you know, I don't trust them because they might kill me. Uh, yeah. How can we get rid of tribalism? <laughs> I, I mean, I, it's we. I don't think we'll ever be able to get rid of it without some kind of like genetic engineering, which I don't wow. think is a good idea. I mean, yeah, that's 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 kind of a bad road to go down. Isn't that's it? that's not a good that's not a good direction. Um, you can go into that with all the like care and 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 you know ambivalence in the world, but I would say also like the only way that we're all going to unite on this planet, all humans are going to unite, is if. You know, there's alien attackers. We have mm -hmm. aliens that are threatening us. Um, but even It'll give then, us a global identity, at least temporarily. At least temporarily. And it's just like the same thing, like after 9-11, uh, Americans were overwhelmingly united against a common enemy, uh, Al-Qaeda. Uh, and, you know, but even then, that was kind of like a vague enemy. Like, okay, yeah. I, I don't think I don't think tribalism will ever go away. I think we just have to choose as like a society to not let it rile us up. Yeah, and so you know, because we, if, we get, we if we get emotional that? about our tribalism, too emotional, then like we're gonna start making bad decisions.
Emotions um, are good and bad though, aren't they? Yes. And so I think I think it's okay to you know, like it's okay to wanna help your you know your local community first like i don't think that's that's a bad thing and that's also a kind of you know an aspect of this tribalism thing that's not bad right um and so i i think that like it's one of those aspects of us that we have to learn to balance yeah yeah well and you mentioned emotions and emotion. I, I say emotions are also a good thing because it's, I mean, mm-hmm. first of all, it's what make a, makes us human. I mean, it's a very unique thing compared to a lot of other species. Um, but also like a lot of progress has been made because emotions have kind of uh, like fueled our ambitions. <laughs> yeah. You know? I'll admit uh, saying, saying emotional was a bit generic. I, I generally, no, I know, but there. I mean, you're onto something, though, there, I think. I do think a lot of us, um, I mean, even think about why people watch our videos. Emotions are still guiding them. It's not like they're just like, oh, yes, I need to know. Right. And so we, we need to let, we need, to, just like our emotions, we need to let our tribalism maybe guide us, but not control us. Ooh, and it's a like very that. difficult balance to find. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, particularly because like whereas emotions are personal, tribalism is social. And I think social groups are a lot harder to keep in check than than our own personal experience. Yeah. I mean, that's how we've survived 300,000 years though, right? Because we're yeah. social creatures. Like same thing you could say about ants. Ants being so uh would you call them social? I don't know. They just work together really well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that's that's very common to to refer to ants as social. Yeah, they communicate uh, with each other. They're, they're going to be around to longer accomplish longer. tasks. I just don't know. I think uh, I think about this more and more. Like we just take it for granted that we're going to be around for a while, but we're just we're just one species. And the other crazy thing that's happening right now is like so many species are going extinct, and there's not going to be anyone left other than humans and cats and dogs and cows and horses, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and pigs, uh, like maybe in our, uh, by the end of the century, even because like we, we are just so self-absorbed. We just think that we're the only ones who matter that this planet, everything is here for mm-hmm. us. Even the universe is here for yeah. us. We, we like to think of ourselves as, as separate from nature and that's dangerous. Yeah, we are nature. We're animals. And, Maybe that's maybe that's our key to survival is re- going back to that that mentality at least that mentality at least I don't know if we want to be hunter gatherers again. <laughs> uh, I, I saw I happen to like the technology we've come up with. Drawn of history is here. Hey, how you doing? Subscribe to Drawn of History. Needed to get you on here too. Uh, okay, we've got comment up, and I think. That was good. That was really good here. Good midway point, but I think it's your turn now. <laughs> uh, yeah, my turn for a fifth question, right? Yes. Uh, well, this is kind of related, I guess. Uh, how do you maintain hope in the current political climate? I mean, it helps that I'm an optimistic person anyway. Uh, I think, honestly... I know it's people will say, oh, Gen Gen Z is so cynical and jaded, all this, but I think they're actually still 
uh, also fairly optimistic. And so I, I think uh, interacting with younger folks helps kind of, you know, it, it re <laughs> and, and reinvigorates me uh, on a personal level. Um, but also like just more broadly speaking, I think um, we need to, I mean, Steven Pinker is kind of known for this. He's the guy who's like, hey guys, uh, I know that you think that society has never been worse today, uh, but hey, did you know that crime is historically low? You know, he's written whole books. If you, you know who Steven Pinker is? Uh, I don't know. Okay, if you just Google Steven Pinker, he is a, uh, I think, what is his profession? He's a cognitive psychologist, uh, psycholinguist. Oh, I've, I've seen this face before. Yeah, I, I, I the book that I read from him back in the day, Better Angels of, of okay. Our Nature, is kind of what kind of, but he also, a lot of his books just talk about, oh, all the progress that we've made. And if you just like, kind of going back to what you said earlier about, you know, thinking big picture long term, that's what we, we have to just keep doing that because it is two steps forward, one step back often. Almost that's the default. And I would say that in some ways it is a step back right now. And, and you know, if you look at like some of the reactionary, uh, the moral panics that are happening right now in particular with the culture wars, I think that's a trend that was like, oh, okay, well, we did this in the 80s. We're doing this again. Okay. <laughs> um, but in other ways, like we've made progress, like especially on social issues. I mean, just the fact that um, somebody who's transgender um, is even willing to put themselves out there to begin with to me is uh, progress compared to what it was like 20 years ago. Like, and younger people grow up with it saying, it's okay. You just be yourself, be happy. You don't have to, uh, you know, just because it was, has always been this way before. doesn't mean, doesn't mean it has to be this way in the future. So we've made progress on social issues. Um, you know, the thing that I think has been also a big step back that I pay more attention to because I try to avoid the culture war stuff is the extreme income inequality. Wealth inequality is a better way to put it. Um, it's worse. In my opinion, it's worse now than it, it was in the uh, late 1800s. But we are seeing Joe Biden as president, who basically was just like a conservative Democrat for many years, starting to like, you know, do things I never thought he would do. Um, you know, like the student loan forgiveness, uh, at least trying to do something with that. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, climate change. <laughs> like uh, we're seeing, like I, I, the oil industry gets so much corporate welfare in this country for so long. They get taxpayer money. Um, we, we bail them out, you know, the banking system, we bail them out. Uh, finally, it appears the Biden administration is starting to do stuff about that, push back a little bit. So I know Biden has issues, all this. Uh, he's, he's an old dude and um, not the most charismatic and some issues. Uh, he's not perfect because he's still opening up oil drilling. But that's another thing. People are like, oh, oh like if you're, on, if you're watching right now and you lean to the right, you probably don't know that we produce more oil in the United States than any other country, I think, now. And we produce more oil than the, like, the countries of the Middle East. And guess what? We export most of it. 
And uh, people, if people really understand that, like, wait a second here. I thought we were drill, baby, drill. Like, so like we are, we drill a lot. And um, so if you're even on the right end of the spectrum thinking, oh, we're not doing this, we're not, we are. Um, so uh, I see progress all the time. Just remember, media focuses on negative stuff because that gets us all riled up. Uh, generally, it's more profitable for the media to like want us divided, want us, they want high arousal emotions, they want us angry, they want us scared. <laughs> so they're not going to report on stuff that makes us feel good. They'll sprinkle it in sometimes just to make them seem like they're more balanced, but they want us angry and scared. That's why that breaking news is always on the bottom of the screen. So uh, we just need to turn off the news and... <laughs> yeah. You don't I mean, it. I'm I'm the firm believer that like most news, we probably don't need to know about. We don't. I I stopped watching the news. Uh, I know this is sounds really bad, but there's this guy named Tim Ferriss who had a book called The Four Hour Work Week. I read that back in the day. It's another one I read around the same time as I read The Pinker, and he basically is like, "Hey, I don't, I haven't watched the news or read the news for, uh, you know, twenty years." and he still finds out about stuff. You're still going to find out about stuff, aren't you? Yeah. Because we're in the information age, but it's just, you're just so much better off if you're not like constantly. It's even. I just tweeted this yesterday, but like, uh, you know, it's it's bad enough to watch the news all the time, but it's even worse to get your news from people reacting to the news. Like, there are people who only get their news from other people reacting to the news, you know, like the people that watch Hassan Piker, the who streams all, all day. I don't know if you know the, he's on, yeah. he's on Twitch streaming all day, just reacting to stuff. And that's how people get their news. And they're reacting to the news based on how he's reacting. So they're not even like thinking about this stuff on their own. They're just like, it's, it's like the, I mean, the same reason why and they if, watch If you videos. respect a person like that, you're going to like, you know, a political commentator or whatever, you're going to yeah. take their opinion into account when you form yours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't do it. I, <laughs> I don't know. I just realized like, I mean, I, I used to do that um, way too much. And I, I just realized like, I, I don't need to do this. No, I'm just going to watch Science Asylum instead and, and learn something instead of... <laughs> Anyway, my diatribe is over. Yep. Anything else to say on the subject, sir? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I I don't have any good answers to the question either. Are you more optimistic or? or uh, I try to be. Uh, I mean, the more time goes on, the less and less optimistic I can be. I think that's very natural, I guess. Yeah. Um, but again, I try to avoid the news when I can um, just get the, you know, the important bits you know, so that I, I not not only that I don't like hear something that I don't necessarily need to hear, but also that I don't get desensitized to stuff that's happening all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, but and I, I, I try, you know, you got to actively in, you know, in the information age, you're exposed to these things all the time. And so you've got to actively try and like remember that, you know, your family, your friends, your neighbors you know, you know them, you know that they're not one dimensional monsters. Like sometimes the news would have you believe. Um, right. Uh, and you got to try and remember that everybody's like that. Everybody has depth. And maybe if enough of us do that, we'll be okay. Um, but it's, it's difficult. Cause I think we're in the middle of a, 
we're in the middle of a backstep. Yeah. And that can be, that can be hard on people. Cause like, I, I, I'm like, like I was saying earlier, I think, you know, having a diverse group of people together, working together for a goal is, is great. It's a good idea. Um, we can see each other's perspectives. Um, and I think that like, you know, speaking generically here a little bit, I think that, you know, we have sort of this concept of, of liberalism that moves us forward. And then we have conservatism that, that keeps us from moving forward too fast. Which isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Um, you, need have, you need to have both. I always we say. We need to have time to adapt to changes. Yeah. But uh, when we, when things actually turn around and go backwards, it's, it's difficult to, to maintain, you know, hope that we will, we will move forward again eventually well and sometimes going backwards is is progress because i would argue that if we got rid of the war on drugs for example if we uh, repealed the controlled substances act of 1971 um, that would be progress so like sometimes laws that are on the books you know need to be removed and i don't know it's yeah well that's oh, funny too. I was just thinking when you were talking, I uh, found out about the Trump indictment at the gym. Like I wouldn't even, uh, well, and Mrs. Beat kind of keeps me up to speed too, but no, I actively avoid the news. I, I literally do. I don't like to, it stresses me out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so this will be related. Okay. Um, so are you, are you more optimistic or more terrified of AI's rapid development in recent months? Oh, uh, I actually have a related question to this. I'll ask it next. Nice. Um, I. It's scary when you don't know a lot about it. And so it, back in January, I did a public live stream where I went through and we, you know, I took questions from the chat and we asked we asked uh, chat GPT what, like we asked it a bunch of science questions and then I fact checked those, those answers. Um, and it was not right a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and I, I think like it really exposed, uh, it really exposed what, how the thing works. You know, it doesn't have access to knowledge. It's just guessing words. It's very good at, at language. Um, and I think what it does is it's it's a little scary because it exposes how systematic language is. <laughs> just a bunch of patterns. We like to think that it's all like artistic and everything. And it's it's not, I mean, there's aspects, there's art aspects to it. You can use it for art, but like the language itself is not artistic. It's just a bunch of patterns. And this, you know, AI that everyone's freaking out about just is really good at that pattern. And once we kind of figured that out, because we, we started to deviate about halfway through the stream, we started to deviate from science questions uh, and started asking it other questions. We asked it to like code simple, you know, computer programs. And um, that went very, it did very well on that. Okay, uh, that's more up its alley. Yeah. And then we started asking it more like art related things. Like someone asked me to ask it, uh, 
it was like make a song about something I, I can't remember this a science topic make make a song about this but in the style of bob dylan <laughs> and it nailed it i was able to actually like read it in bob dylan's voice i could hear wow. bob dylan's voice in my head it was freaky <laughs> but like again it's it's just language you know and so when you ask it a science question it's going to grab some science words that it knows and string them together in the best order that it thinks matches you know english or whatever and it sounds like english but the science isn't right necessarily and so like it's not it's not a like fully it's not a, like a sentient ai or anything you know and so these these ai systems are trained for a specific purpose and this this one is scary because it happens to be trained on language instead of like recognizing images and stuff but it's still the same sort of thing that we've been using for a while. Uh, it's just for language. And because it's for language, it can be used in, you know, new contexts that AI wasn't used in before. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, help assistance when you're on a website or something, you know? Um, and so like, that could potentially eliminate certain jobs. And that's definitely a concern that we need to worry about. But I don't think that it's going to, it's not like to the point where people are like, Oh, it's going to take over the world. It's not like that. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. There was it's, a letter of a thousand, a thousand. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it, it won't get there eventually. I, I don't know. <laughs> It's moving, it's it's progressing way faster than I thought it would. And, you know, I don't know what's going to happen even a year from now or two years from now or 10 years from now. I, I don't pretend to predict the future, but the AI as it exists right now cannot do that. Right. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, it can certainly disrupt, you know, economic systems, but it's it's not going to, like, control humanity or anything. It's not the apocalypse. It could be, though. Um, and I think the biggest concern, though, the, and I actually said this earlier, the biggest concern is how fast the progress happens. That's what I, I, I don't think anyone anticipated how quickly that, like, all the models showed, oh, yeah, by 2030, that we would be at this point, And now we're at this point with chat. Right. We need, we need to adapt to it. That's That's really all the situation is here. And so, like, this... It wouldn't be such a big deal if uh, we had some kind of like UBI in place or something. Yes, preach it. Yes. Then, then we could just like, you could have a bunch of people be out of work for a while and that's okay. Yeah, we, we shouldn't, um, our, our um, survival shouldn't be dependent on whether or not we have a job right. because jobs are just made up. <laughs> I mean, a third of jobs out there are BS jobs anyway. There's another book, by the way. Check it out. BS jobs. It's good. But there are lots of people that help society and and, and contribute without having to have a, a traditional job. And so yep. I, I just think that like we either need to slow it down so we have time to adapt to it. Yes. Or we need to institute a UBI so that people who are affected by it are not as affected by it. Otherwise, you know, we could have some serious problems there. Yeah. Uh, but I think like an AI takeover is uh, an exaggeration. 
Yeah, I mean, what you said, slowing down, uh, I there's actually an article, I'm just posting it or showing it right now. It's uh, There was a letter sent by, this article says it was, uh, uh, let's see, a thousand technology leaders and researchers, including, including Elon Musk, have urged artificial intelligence labs intelligence labs to pause development of the most advanced systems warning in an open letter that AI tools present quote profound risks to society and humanity. Um, If you read the whole thing, it basically is, they're saying what you're, what you just said, we need to slow it down and maybe like realize the implications of what we're doing before we move. Cause I mean, there's a point where you do lose control. Is there not where you were? It's like, you don't know, where they can't predict actually what's going to happen next. Uh, well, I mean, we know the thing is we always know what the limitations are of these tools. What we don't know are the limitations of people's imaginations, <laughs> right? How they're going to use these tools is what we can't predict. It's like, we know what, you know, GPT four here, we know what that can do and what it can't do. We know what its limitations are and we know what we could use it for, but we don't know what people, you know, what other places people will think to use it. Well, and so already... the concern here is not the tool, it's the people. I mean, generally people are, you know, all about self-interest and they, right. you know, greed kind of drives a lot of everything. And we definitely, like we saying earlier, we definitely live in a system that, that benefits selfish people. Yeah. And so uh, that is the real concern here. But the people who actually could, you know, institute something to slow this down or institute a UBI or whatever, they're the ones that that got there because, I mean, not all of them, obviously, but uh, a lot of them got there because they were at least ambitious. I and Go ahead they're they're gonna they're gonna let the ai do whatever they think is gonna benefit them and so it gets it gets tricky because we we live in a system that that you know is gonna benefit people in power and benefit wealthy people and and this is something else that caught my attention was uh there's a producer um he's he's produced kendrick lamar before um, whom I'm a big fan of, but there, apparently there's this uh, clip going around. It's completely, it's made by, you know, deep fake AI technology mm-hmm. used to replicate voices of uh, rappers. And he heard it by, uh, it was Kendrick Lamar. It sounded just like him. It was completely AI generated. Um, you know, just like, like the, some of the top videos right now on YouTube, by the way, that keep getting recommended to me are presidential deep fakes usually it's trump obama and biden all like <laughs> playing minecraft and talking about like but it these, yeah. these uh, Vo- voices have, are really easy and they have hundreds of thousands of views and people just throw them together but it's just ai that's creating this stuff they type in you know some scripts and stuff and it, they, they, they do have to put some effort on throwing it together but, but the concern here is that um there's going to be so this technology is so good that the original artists 
are not they're not going to be able to profit anymore from their work because right. um, there's so much so many deep fakes out there. Like even like our videos, like you know, what if somebody like let's go ahead five years into the future. The year is 2028, and there are more deep fake videos of us, Science Asylum, and Mr. Beat than there are real videos. Not only that, the deep fake videos get way more views and generate way more re revenue. It's kind of like that. It's like an episode of Black Mirror is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's, it's, it, I, it's very disturbing for me to think about. It's been keeping me up at night, actually. <laughs> yeah. And so I think we, we would have to, we'd have to make sure that like, Lost. you know, art, artists would be, would have access to the revenue generated by their likeness. Yeah. You know, and you like, so, Laws. New new systems, new tools require new laws and new perspectives. Um, and so we definitely need to do something. Yeah. But um, we're not going to have like you know the 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 future of Terminator. This isn't going to be, you know. Well, we could if it goes on like down the wrong path. I think it's the like you said. It's like we don't know how humans are going to use this stuff, and they could use it nefariously right um yeah you know I, you could get uh someone who isn't doesn't necessarily have you know a moral center or whatever <laughs> to to get one of these things to code a computer virus yeah you know but like and so as a tool it is scary you know in the same way that something like a gun is scary yeah. You know, oh, yeah. might want to do something about that guns too. Right. <laughs> um, and so like, I'm not saying that we should ignore it, obviously. Well, the other concern is like that. Look who's in power. The average age of a member of Congress is like 57, I think. And they are so out of touch with this technology, as we saw with the hearings for TikTok. It's like the people in charge of making the laws don't even understand the technology because they're not even oh, yeah, Abs absolutely. I think there should be an upper age limit on on political offices. Fifty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's term limits or something. I think most people agree term limits would help with that. Um, no, I'm I'm upper age limit too. I'm on top. I just cap yeah. it off. Well, you know, some of the. I mean, Noam Chomsky's still thinking up new ideas at the age of 94. So not all of them are. <laughs> oh yeah. But like, you know, as a trend, like, yeah, generally. And I mean, there, there are things coming out now, technological things that I don't necessarily understand, you know? And I, I, and so I know that that's, it's such an easy trap to fall into. You know, you just yeah. don't learn about the new things and I'm in the space, I'm in the digital space. And so I make an effort you know, but a lot of these politicians aren't. Yeah. And so why would they bother learning about chat GPT or any yeah. other AI system? <laughs> uh, well, all right. But that leads, that leads me to my sixth question. Oh, though. good. Yes. Segue. <laughs> um, what do you think AI is going to do to our justice system? I think generally lawyers are going to have a harder time. Like a lot of the work they do, AI will be doing. And so I think you're going to see law, law firms actually shrink 
because you're not going to need all those assistants and um, all those. Because yeah, I was going to say, I grew up with uh, my mom was a uh, like a legal, you know, paraprofessional or whatever. Yeah. Uh, um, and and so I grew up around legal offices, and <laughs> I can tell you that lawyers don't do much of the work that lawyers, you know. Yeah. Take credit for all the paralegals. Um, yeah. And so their, their, their paralegals are going to, they're to gone. Run into a problem. Actually, a lot of the lawyers are gone too. And uh, th that's one of the jobs that's in danger. Most of most jobs are in danger. People say, what about teachers? Well, teachers eventually, but I don't think it's, I think it's going to be one of the last teachers as well as um, the trades and where, and where you're actually building stuff in the real world too, you know, construction workers, plumbers, electricians, stuff like that. They'll be around, but I think a lot of the uh, office and service jobs, AI is going to take those jobs, and I think it's going to happen quicker than. I mean, that's why that's why Andrew Yang was ringing the alarm bells back when he ran for president in 2020, which for some reason he stopped talking about recently. But yeah, back to UBI, we're going to have to do something. I know unemployment's really low right now in the United States, at least, but it's not going to be this way forever. Yeah. But again, being proactive is not something human beings are good at. Yeah, not thinking long term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, did I answer your question? Uh, uh, kind of. <laughs> what about like, because my main concern is uh, evidence in a courtroom. Yeah. You know, if someone has a video of you doing something, how can you trust it anymore? Oh, oh, that angle. Of course. That's a huge concern. Now, I think what's actually going to happen is I think most people are just not going to trust anything. They're going to see real footage and they're not going to believe it anymore, which I don't think necessarily is a bad thing. That might actually help with media literacy. Probably, yeah. If you just assume everything you see is a fake, that means you're, it's going to force you to actually do the, the work <laughs> to research. Because so many people just believe what they want to believe. One person that they watch tells them this is what's what it is and they're like okay and then they'll repeat the talking point to whoever um now they're like ah, i'm going to suspend judgment because we don't we don't do that very much we don't suspend judgment very much <laughs> we just thought we I don't know we want shortcuts and so uh it's not gonna it's gonna be painful but i think it might actually end up being a good thing because uh it's gonna be now there's also software that's been developed already to try to fight back against deep fakes, you know, that make it mm -hmm. easier to like, uh, I don't know how it works. I, I don't know anything about it, but I, it can at least detect it. At least detect it. Yeah. Like 70% um, of the time or something. I'm hoping that tools will on that end will uh, get, get better as well. It's a little bit scary. I mean, I saw those pictures of the AI generated stuff, like, uh, like Trump running away from the cops. That was AI generated uh, mm -hmm. with mid journey. There's also the Pope wearing the right the big the jacket. Yeah, I'm actually making a video up uh, here in a couple of months. It's I've been planning it already. It's it's like how do you know something is true? Um, <laughs> and I think it's good that I've waited to make this because I wanted to make it years ago, back when I was still in the classroom. Uh, because now that we have so many deep fakes out there uh, and AI, I think we can. I will adjust, you know, like because. It's not just about whether or not something is a deep fake. I mean, you could say that about even stuff that's supposedly real. Like when someone tells you something, 
how do you know it's true? Like you tell me right now, how do you know what I'm, what I'm telling you right now is true? How do you know, how do you know to trust me? Yeah. I mean, I trust you because I know you, but, uh, yeah, you know me, but that shouldn't be enough. Right. <laughs> like if I tell you right now that, uh, uh, let's see, there's a, uh, there's a mythical bird on my wall that I'm looking at right now. Would you believe me? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'd probably be a little skeptical, but, uh, yeah, you, but you, uh, I think it, what you would do is like, okay, mythical bird, you might go to Google and you might search, okay, mythical bird. Why, uh, uh you know that I'm from Kansas, right? Is there you a know? bird in Kansas just called the mythical bird? Well, but what would probably pop up is the Jayhawk, which, and that's the mascot of the University of Kansas where I went. And that's what gotcha. it is. I mean, like, you know, like, I just think that a lot of people, they, they're going to have, they're going to have to research. There's no way around it. They can't, there's no more of this just passive, like, oh, that's what they said. So I don't know. I, I'm again, back to my optimism. I think it's not going to be as big a deal uh, as people are making it out to be with deep fakes anyway. Um, I think I, I I think I would probably I would hope that the courts would only admit evidence if it was backed up and checked and stuff, you know. But the problem is that um, the jury is still going to have access to the internet, and they're still going to be able to see things out in the world. That's an issue already. Right. That's been an issue since the information age began. Yeah. They're not like when they call in the jury, they're, they're not supposed to know anything about the case, but all of them do a lot of times. <laughs> right. Like the jury uh, uh, for Trump, even, for example, <laughs> like mm -hmm. who here is <laughs> like, um, but I mean, you know, in court, it's a sacred place. You got cross-examination, which I think is really important. You know, they can't use evidence that, um, like if you're going to have evidence, it has to be shown in that courtroom and right. the, the other side ha has to have a chance to scrutinize it. And I think that as long as that process is still there, I think, you know, they're going to have to up their game for sure. Lawyers are going to have to up their game. The the one, the, the few lawyers who are there after AI takes all the other <laughs> um, jobs. But um, yeah, it's a uh, new territory. I'll have to pay more closer attention to that, how that affects the legal system. Cause I actually, to be honest, I haven't thought about it that much. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we're up to number seven here. We're, yep. we're, we're taking longer than I thought. I guess we're, we're just, uh, we're having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I've known you for a while. We're comfortable. Oh my gosh. That was one of my questions. Anyway, I had a deep fake question. Mm. So I, I mean, you know what? I want to leave that off then, and I'll ask my bonus question. Oh boy! Yeah, so I'll save that for later. Later. Um. All right. So, what are some edutuber trends you noticed over the past couple of years? So, in terms specifically of educator, educational YouTubers, what have you noticed that we've all done over the past two years? Uh, I think there are. I mean, there are always trends in how thumbnails and titles look. Um, we kind of just follow where the, the, the views go, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> um, and I, I've been guilty of this too, where like we changed the thumbnail like six or seven times in the first week. Oh yeah. Trying to find the one that's going <laughs> to like click with people. Yeah. You've helped me. You're like, Hey, you might yeah. do this differently with your thumbnail. <laughs> uh, I think it's just, it, it's gotten more competitive. 
you know, yeah. we're, we're competing for finite attention. Oh, especially with TikTok. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think there's, there's that, that, that trend the last couple of years with, with thumbnails and stuff. We've had to up our game a little bit. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we try to stay relevant, you know, do you feel like that's a harder thing to do these days? Like, cause I mean, you know, I think you're younger than I am, but you, you, uh, I know you're not like Gen Z. So no. <laughs> uh, I am 41. Oh crap. We're the same age. I did <laughs> T I L. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, and so I'm like on the cusp between Gen X and millennial. Yep. Yep. Uh, and so obviously if you're the same age you are too. Um, and so like, I, I tend to like stuff from a while ago, you know, when it just uh, pop culture references and stuff, but like, we have to stay connected to new things so that we can connect with, you know, younger people, but you can't do it like, you can't go full Gen Z or anything because it would just be cringy. <laughs> and I think that like, and I and I think I think I would think doing that the reason it's cringy is because it it gives it doesn't give Gen Z people enough credit. Yeah, like as I feel like someone and the the younger generation could could can can watch us and and get something out of it, you know? Um, but I, I don't think that, I, I think we still need to be aware of things that, you know, younger people are into so that we can make references to it or connect what we're saying to it, you know, if we need to. And I, I and so I think that's important and that's, that's, that gets harder the older we get. I think it becomes more of an effort, but it's, it's an effort we have to make. Yeah, we have to force ourselves to get out of our comfort zones. I think that's most common with like folks our age. I notice a lot of uh, uh, I'm not sure how into music you are, but I'm pretty passionate about music. And sometimes I do find myself, oh, I'm only listening to stuff from the 90s because that's when I was a kid. Right. You know, and nostalgia is very powerful. But I do go out of my way sometimes to listen to brand new stuff, you know, like um and it's just as good, if not better, if, you know, a lot of the new stuff is actually way better, but you still have people our age or older. They're always saying, Oh, it'll never be as good as it was in the nineties or eighties or seventies or sixties, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's just different now. It it's, is. I mean, it's yeah. every decade, you know, has a different style of music and TV and, and that's okay. You know? Um, and it might not be what we, you know, grew up on or, you know, probably what we experienced in high school, I think is probably what we connect with the most. But um, I, I think that, that as long as we make an effort to listen to the new music and watch the new stuff, at least some of the time, um, that's good for everybody. Just pushing the envelope with our, our own, uh, not getting too comfortable with our own style. Yeah. And, you know, when you started out, probably it's the same, like when I started out, I wasn't trying to emulate anyone. It's not like you were trying to, like for sure, you weren't trying to emulate uh, Vsauce or Veritasium or mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to do, 
emulate CGP Grey, who was a, like the first big educational channel I was really into. Um, you know, you, you just have you do your own thing, and people are going to like it or they're not. But a lot of times, you know, whatever's new, people are going to kind of, you know, right, not be into it in the beginning, and maybe eventually they'll come your way. But if they don't, the heck with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. The other thing too, like uh, you don't want to become a caricature of yourself. So you're like, and so I think that, yeah, you just kind of just need to force yourself to just do something. Like I'm going to go film in a dump today, a literal dump, you know, like you got to. And don't, don't like, you can't be, it's very important that we don't dismiss new things. Right. Because they're not lesser. Just different. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Like, um, you know, my, um, uh, uh, Mrs. Beats, uh, grandma, she was somebody that I, uh, before she passed away, like she's someone I noticed who was like, uh, she could have easily fit in. Like she looked like an older lady. Yes. But she, she had the brain of like, a you know, somebody in their twenties cause they're just trying new things all the time. I mean, that's the main thing. It's just, if you just stop being curious and you stop trying new things, then you're basically most people over 40. Uh, so don't be that kids. Don't be that way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's your turn. Yep. You just said dump. Um, all right. I got, I got one I'm saving for the end. It's a big one. Uh, what do you tell people when they ask you what you do for work? Oh, I love that. I, well, it depends on the age of the person. That's ageist. I know it's ageist. We just talked about this. Like, But if they are my age or older, I tend to say, hey, I make educational videos, especially if they're like boomers, you know, like my right. parents' age. Um, I, uh, and like, actually, yeah, like I was just, just the other day, that's what I did. I had two one person was in their 60s the other person was in their 70s and that's what i said and i was trying to describe it to them and um they kind of actually had an idea you know they're like okay yeah don't you make money from the ads so it seems like that's not it's not as weird as it used to be um for the older folks generally um yeah but younger folks said yeah i just i say youtuber um because that's how most of my income is made surprisingly still um but really, I think even that might not be accurate because, you know, we're teachers, Dad Gummit. We're still mm-hmm. teachers. Um, what we do more than anything is we communicate. We're communicators. Um, that's what we specialize in. Uh, but you know, you don't want to get yeah. What do you what do you tell people? Uh, I mean, like you said, it depends on context. Um, if it's some um, stranger, like I don't know, someone's uh, like a. a plumber came to your house to do something or whatever for example uh i'd I'd probably just be like oh you know we're 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 both teachers you know yeah and then maybe make up something about like you know if they if they get curious oh you know where do you teach or whatever you just mention some schools that you've taught at before so it's prager you i I teach at prager you (laughs) um so that things don't get weird but like occasionally that you know i'll have someone over you know to be doing work on the house or um just uh you know a a friend of a friend came over and 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 like they see the studio or something yeah 
you know they see uh, the lights here and the 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 microphone you know um and and then you have to get in a little more detail and be like oh you know and maybe if you don't want to talk too much about it you just be like oh i teach uh you know science courses online or something and so you can kind of be you know roundabout about it mm -hmm. uh to avoid follow-up questions yeah but generally if it's you know uh a friend or something and you know or a family member and they're asking you know they're asking specific questions i'll i'll get into it and it's a whole conversation every time but yeah <laughs> they're, they're fascinated yeah i think uh the weirdest thing is like i mean you know, there's so many weird ways to make money online now like i think i like i don't want to shout out any specific sites but you know i think people know what i'm talking about when uh there's certain places where you can go where you can just upload your a video of yourself and uh people will pay for it <laughs> um maybe i'll bring a different example up but i mean i'm, I'm just saying i have former students that i know that's what they do and i'm like i, I never checked it out I'm like but like that's how they make money on the side. Like instead of like doing like a, what I did was I worked at Subway or I worked at a grocery store. Uh, but you know, it pays better than what Subway or the grocery store. And those jobs will be gone because robots are going to take them anyway. So, uh, but no, like there are people that make money from, uh, <laughs> I don't even know if I should say this, but I won't say this. No. Should I say this? This is an educational channel. Um, I'll just say articles of clothing that they've used, they've worn, they mail them to people and people will pay them good money for that. Have you heard about that? I have not heard about that. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it, so I, I guess you call that late stage capitalism. Some people call that, I mean, but just, there's so many weird jobs out there that I think, uh, you know, Maybe it's not so weird what we do, you know? There's actually millions of people that do what we do now. Millions of YouTubers that yeah. full-time income. Um, so anyway, <laughs> we're not the freaks is what I'm saying. <laughs> and we're kind of freaks. But. Yeah, and I mean, we, as as education channels, we're kind of sheltered from the, like, uh, having to be relevant too much. You know, yeah. we we can get older and people will still watch us. Right. Where Which is not necessarily true of a pop culture channel or something. Yeah. And the other thing, yeah, so many of those, those channels where they, it's just pure personality. It's That's mm -hmm. all it is. They get nothing out of, like, a lot of those channels don't last very long. Right. You know, like they have a five-year lifespan and then, I don't know, I guess they moved on to... Yeah, that's so that's good. I'm sorry I brought all that stuff up. I'm sure Mrs. B in the comments. She's like, why did you say that? Here's two dollars. Give me your t-shirt. <laughs> there, there she is. Yes, I'm oh, sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. Okay. Moving on. Uh speaking of taboo, uh <laughs> what is something you wish wasn't taboo taboo in our society? Uh, sex. Oh wow! 
you went right for the jugular. Oh, there. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, why, why, I mean, is it, are you talking specifically about the United States? Because like, I was watching Saturday Night Live last night. Uh, I actually watched it live, which I never do. But yeah, and it was like, they were talking about the Italian version of, of Saturday Night Live because they had like the statue of David um, and like somebody that was pretending like they were the statue of David, pretending like he was naked under the table. And he's like, I'm going to show you. You want to see my whole, and like, and uh, <laughs> everyone's like, no, you can't do that. But he's like, oh, in the Italian version of SNL, this is no big deal, you know, just to, uh, but so are you talking specifically the United States culture? Yeah, I, I mean, that's most of my experience is with the, I don't travel a lot. <laughs> Uh, and so aside from like Canada, the only foreign co- uh, country I've ever been in was South Korea. Oh, um, and that was an experience I could talk about, but, uh, I, I think that like here in the United States, or at least in, in Michigan, I don't know. Um, maybe I'm just, maybe because my family is conservative. I'm around a lot of conservative people. Um, but I, I I feel like we should all be capable of like talking about it and discussing it <laughs> without it being weird. Yeah. You know, cause like there's, you know, health class in high school or whatever, they're going to, they're going to teach you about like, <laughs> right. Everybody's all weird and uncomfortable laughing. And it's like, I wish we could just talk about it. Like it was an ordinary thing. Like it was sports or something. Yeah. Cause everybody, for the most part, does it right at some point? <laughs> we all need to reproduce as a species. Like, there's two thing, two goals of our species is, and all species is, survive and reproduce. But half of that we can't even talk about. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I, I would like it, you know, be comfortable talking about the the variety of experiences. You know. Yeah, because, well, we we even have a word for it. Like, if it's not the norm, we call it a a kink. Right. You know, like it's like, oh, you have uh I like or there's even the word pervert like is thrown away. Like that's a pretty like intense insult in uh, the United States, like to be called a pervert of oh, that pervert. That can't pervert perverted thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a thing. I think it goes back to a lot of people trace it back to the Puritans, um pretty dominant culture in the early days of United well before the United States was a country, but maybe that's it. Uh, I know there's some historians that, that argue that, um, but yeah, it's weird. In Europe, that's not the case. I mean, Europeans in the chat. Uh, yeah, can we get some verification on this? <laughs> or is Matt just you know talking out his butt? No, yeah, that's a good thing to bring up. But uh, yeah, and I think that like you know, the early experiences that the young people have with it would be better if we all talked about it comfortably. And a lot of the, pro- like you see teenage pregnancies, you see STDs, the, the, the uh, problems associated with sex, a lot of times could be prevented if we just talk to our kids about it. Right. Um, I will say that uh, I talk to my kids about it and they are just, bored as heck about like okay whatever you know at a very young age they knew exactly what it was my parents did not do that with me (laughs) here you'll learn about it at school i guess 
or the church. <laughs> and the church was like, don't do it until you're married. That's what they said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all they said. So, oh no, here we go. Oh, okay, we, may, we better move on. We better move on. Yes, I have kids. Goodness, okay. People are still shocked that you have children. It's <laughs> <laughs> Somebody would want to have kids with Mr. B? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what were they thinking? Yeah, Shannon, what were you thinking? <laughs> yeah. Best part of my life is mm-hmm. daughters. Anyway, what's your? It's your turn. My turn. Um, oh, my be- best part of my life is Mrs. Beat as well. <laughs> Gosh, sorry. Uh, let's see here. Have you ever had a video served to an unexpected audience? What do you mean by that? Uh, well, I'll give you an example. Uh, I had a recent video that was about microwave oven circuits. Uh-huh. I and, like that video, by the way. Yeah, I don't I don't have a lot of like deep knowledge about circuits. Um it's it, my knowledge of circuits is not vast. It is you, essentially you like a part of your microwave. <laughs> what what I had to teach in, you know, an introductory physics class for electric circuits. But I, I I learned this thing. I learned how the inside of the microwave worked on a, like a rudimentary level, like how the circuit like actually, you know, upped voltage and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I made this video to like share that. You know, I wanted to share that with everybody. I was like, oh, look at this cool thing. Um, and it ended up getting served to like super knowledgeable electrical engineers and electricians. And they were like, this is so rudimentary. I expect more from you. And, you know, but that's this just... isn't very deep at all. And you're using the wrong terms. And yeah, no, I, okay. I can relate to that for sure. I think because you and I have also this in common, a lot of the videos we make are meant to be introductions. Right. We're not, we're not trying to like reach out to the, uh, the specialists, you know, the ones who are already relatively relative experts in their fields. So, yeah, I mean, and that's one of the best parts about, I think what we do is like, uh, professor Dave said this, I didn't realize the term was described me as well, but you, you and you would fit this category as well, but we're generalists. Uh, have you ever been described as a generalist? Like you're just somebody who, yeah, you, you kind of, you, uh, you don't go too deep into a topic, but you got a lot of topics that you you know about at least mm-hmm. at a superficial level. Um, and yeah, like my one of my big goals for my videos is just like that um, people will explore further on their own. That I'm just the tip of the iceberg. You you go underwater um, without me. Uh, hopefully, this is enough to get you started and at least pique your your curiosity. Um. So I'll get audiences sometimes that show up that, um, yeah, they know a lot more um, than me on a topic for sure. Um, they'll correct me. I'll add the corrections, the correction cards. We've both done that. Um, but yeah, I, I think, go ahead. I was going to say, and to be fair, I learned a lot of termina- electrical terminology in the, in the <laughs> comments, you know? Yeah. So we think, yeah, it's not like we're annoyed by them. It's, it, yeah. A lot of times we're grateful for the corrections. Like I, um, it's, I mean, a, a lot of YouTubers don't like that when you correct them. Uh, but I think that's an ego thing. Like, no, I get stuff wrong all the time. And uh, I think the most common thing that 
the, I always get people that correct me on pronunciations for my geography videos, my compared series. Um, I think like one thing that really, a video that really stands out to, to truly answer your question here is I did a video um, comparing Rwanda and Burundi, uh, two bordering landlocked countries in Africa and uh, East Africa. And, uh, you know, both are fairly poor countries. Uh, in fact, there's not even that high of, there's not that many people that even have internet access in those two countries. And so I just assume like, oh yeah, most of my audience watching about this would be, um, you know, American or European. Um, or maybe like certain parts of Africa that are in neighboring countries that are wealthier, but because they're two poor countries generally. I got a lot of people from especially Rwanda that watched that video and said I got it all wrong. You know, it's like, you haven't even been here, you stupid American, you know. Um, but I, you know, it's humbling. I, I, um, I'm glad that those people, because the video didn't do very well because the sad thing is most Americans and Europeans, if they see a video about two small African countries, they're not even going to click on it. Right. So I just purely made the video because I was like, this gives me an excuse to like research these countries. Uh, I knew the video wouldn't perform very well, but the strange thing happened is that like within two days, 48 hours later, all of a sudden the algorithms like whoop, were suggesting it like crazy. And I later realized I looked at the uh, demographics a lot of the people were watching in Africa. Uh, and I thought it was pretty cool. But also it's like what I've what I've tried to do ever since is like reach out to people that are actually from these places to read over the script and make sure I got it. I mean, I did that for the Palestine um, Israel video. I was very worried about that one. So I made sure I had somebody, that, you know, who was a Palestinian look over it. Somebody who lived in Israel. <laughs> And uh, I, I, I want to do more. More. I'm, I, I'm actually releasing a video about the Philippines coming up. And yep, I found uh, somebody from the Philippines to ch fact check me. So I wish I could do that for every video. Oh, thanks, Dante. Good to see you here. Okay. Well, here after we're done, I'll, I'll, I'm going to try to remember to answer that because that. Honestly, that would probably take five minutes to answer that question. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think, it, is it my turn? Um, yeah, that was, that's your turn. Okay. Uh, so this is the ninth question. Great. Uh, okay. These are two big ones. I'll just go with the, your last video that you released on Friday, which is an instant classic. Um, something that I just kind of stared at and I kept replaying it. You were like, this is the number file portion of the video, but you're trying to explain how big we think the universe is. But ultimately what you just said, what you how you summarized it was the universe is probably infinite. I just can't wrap my head around this. I can't, it's like the, like, you know, there are a lot of religions that say, Hey, time lasts forever. Like you, if you, if you die and go to this happy place, heaven, you live there forever. Um, that, that stuff freaks me out. Like not having an end, you know, going on and on and on. So like, could you maybe like, 
make that more comforting for me? <laughs> uh, maybe. I mean, I have the opposite problem, so I, I I'm probably the best person to do this. I, okay. I don't like the idea that there's there there could be an end. Um. Oh. But yeah. So we don't know it's infinite. To be fair. Okay. But still. Um, we suspect it is. Um. What what we know for sure is that um that we're only seeing a part of it right there's right. this this thing called the observable universe where it's the stuff that we can see the the amount of you know there it's been enough time for the things in this area for the light to reach us because again we see things with light um and so there are that we know there are things further away where the light hasn't had time to reach us yet and so we can't see it so we know it's bigger than what we can see um, and based on some very fancy measurements, uh, we know we have a lower limit on like how much bigger it is. And it's a heck of a lot bigger than what we can see. Um, but there, it, we're basing this on this this one particular number that we measure. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's basically a curvature measurement, right? Yes. You, know you went over, over it right. in the video. Yeah. Uh, Space and time can curve and it causes things like gravity and stuff, but it can curve on cosmic scales too. Like the whole universe, there can be some curvature. Um, and when we measure it, we don't find any. So curvature equals zero, basically. Mm -hmm. um, there's a little bit of like experimental error because every experiment has some error in it. Uh, and so there's some leeway there. Now, if it is, if the curvature is exactly zero, then we know that the universe is infinite. Um, but it might not be exactly zero. It's zero, you know, right, right, right. give or take. We're taking like a very... Um, and that, that, that give or take allows it to be finite. But the okay. problem with it being finite is that there has to be an edge. And edges... Well, I mean... The, there would be an edge if weirder things don't happen, which I'll get to in a sec. <laughs> but um, edges are problematic for multiple reasons, not just philosophically, but also mathematically. Oh. Uh, and so if it is finite, if there is a limit to how much like volume, you know, the universe has, how much space there is, then it should ha it has to curve in on itself. So that if you just like went out on a straight line and went and went and went and went, you'd eventually end up back where you started. Okay. Because your straight line is curved. Just like yeah. if you walked on the surface of the earth and you walked and walked and walked and walked and walked, you'd end up back where you started. <laughs> Assuming you didn't drown in the ocean, you know? Yeah. Um, and so we can sort of extend that to the universe and be like, oh, well, it, it, the universe must curve back on itself to eliminate an edge. There's no edge. But um, they went to the edge of the universe in Futurama. I saw it. <laughs> um, the universe being infinite is a much more comfortable uh, thought. Why? Because at that point, you don't have to answer the question like, well, what's outside it? Right? Because if the universe is finite. <laughs> right? Like, if the universe is finite, well, there's, there's only so much space, like, why is it finite? You mm. know, what is there an outside? You know, maybe not if it curves in on itself, but that's really weird and uncomfortable. Mm. And and so 
if if this if space is infinite in extent, then uh, we don't have to ask questions like that. There's always just more of it. Okay. Um, and it it eliminates a lot of like philosophical questions that we have. <laughs> and so it's very convenient. Um, it is convenient, yes. And the fact that this curvature measurement is maybe so close to zero, but not being exactly zero is kind of weird. Like, why wouldn't it be, you know, five instead of like 0. 0.0001 or whatever it is, you know, just as a, just to dramatize it a little bit, uh -huh. you know, why would it be that close to zero and not actually be zero? And so we just assume it is zero and we assume that space is infinite because it's a more comfortable prospect than the alternative. Huh. And I don't know if that helps you at all. It does. Uh, but, it actually but does. <laughs> finiteness is actually a problem when we're talking about the entire cosmos. Well, it just leads to way more questions, right? Right. <laughs> uh, and so in infinity actually raises fewer questions and makes us more comfortable. Yeah, that's wow. No, uh, you've definitely shifted my perspective on that. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Man, can you top that question? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's go with the last heavy one here. Um, I guess this isn't really heavy. It's just deep. Um, if you had a window that would let you watch any event in history exactly as it happened, so no biases, no dramatizations. And it's not a time machine. You're not going there. You're just watching it. Mm -hmm. What would you watch first? Well, I answered this in a video a long time ago, um, but maybe I would change my mind. Um, in that video, I said I would like to see the Tsar Bomba uh, going off, which if you don't know what the Tsar Bomba is, it's the largest, um, the most powerful nuclear weapon ever dropped. Uh, the Russians dropped it in 1961 in northern Siberia. Um, it was so powerful they couldn't go. Like after they dropped it, the guy that dropped it like had to get like I think barely got away in time. Um, it, it's like let me see if I can look up how many Hiroshima's it was. Uh, it's in terms, it, it had the power to take out like a million people instantaneously. Um, you know, that's how big the bomb was. But the older I get, I'm thinking like maybe it would be cool to see like humans, you know, <laughs> and a, a human interaction. Um, you know, I, uh, I've been thinking a lot lately about the JFK assassination. Again, I went through my phase when I, uh, when I was like in college, I like read a bunch of JFK assassination books. And now I'm planning on a video as well about that. So I'm like kind of looking at that sometimes and, uh, you know, all the theories about it and all the confusion and uh, just being there at that moment, it would be kind of, or I guess we're looking through a window. Just, it just like, a, just like a window. It's like yeah. a TV screen that lets you watch events in history. I mean, we have the Zapruder footage, so maybe we, maybe I don't need to see that because we, that's, that's the window. So you, we have to go before the even before the motion picture, maybe even before the photograph. Um, I don't know. I, I, 
so maybe that would, I, I've always been fascinated with assa assassination. So maybe the Lincoln assassination <laughs> then, because I'm, I, I'm, I told, I said earlier, I had a video about that. Like, just it's crazy how that went down. You think about it, it's just crazy. And um, he, he's the the guy that you know most most Americans say he's the best president we ever had, and um, for it to be just so easy for just some uh, weirdo actor dude who basically was the Brad, Brad Pitt of his time, uh, walk in there and then without any, no bodyguard at all, just walk right up and do that, jump onto the stage. So something like that, where it's just like, a, I don't know. Is that a, yeah, Henley, it was mind blowing. It was mind blowing. Yes. Uh, it's, it seems like a lame answer though. That's a lame answer. <laughs> I could also say, oh, well, Franz Ferdinand, you know, that moment when he was assassinated. Why do I keep gravitating towards assassinations, though? What's wrong with me? <laughs> what about Caesar? Um, you have, do you have a moment that you would want uh, to have? Well, I guess it depends. Um, the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD would be interesting. Huh. Just because, I mean, what stands out to you about that event? Um, you hear things about like because there's there's some um, some there there are quotes for people who were there, you know, that we we have found um, talking about just how horrible people were to each other. Oh. <laughs> and I'd like to actually see it myself. You know, like were they actually horrible or? Yeah. Are you underselling it or overselling it? You know. Um, but if I if I had a fast forward button on the screen, uh, I think that I would want to watch the Earth form. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would be pretty cool to see that to see how life began. Yes, uh, but it had to have a fast forward button because that took a long time. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, other things that. In terms of like uh, more recent, um, <laughs> uh, like I always think about the Constitutional Convention to be sitting in that room or look peering in the window at, uh, at the uh, in Philadelphia when they're creating the Constitution. That would be pretty cool. Um, maybe like the tennis court where they uh, the uh, the Re the French Revolution got started, where they did the tennis court oath. Like the French Revolution is always really interesting to me too. It's more exciting than the american revolution um like uh, a bunch of key moments in revolutions i think like how revolutions get started always fascinate me like like this is the moment you know where they all decided because you think about it they, uh at the time it wouldn't be that big a deal you don't know it's a it's a big deal until well after like right um so maybe there's even something that's happening now that we that's actually causing a revolution in the future that's going to dramatically change society but we just don't know it you know yeah i mean at this point we basically record everything so yeah we can that's what's kind of that's i think about that all the time as well about future historians because they have so much information for about this time how are they going to sort through it all already google is like really bad at it looking up old stuff. I mean, we have certain websites like the archive 
you know, older websites, but we're losing so much even on that's recorded on the internet, you know, mm-hmm. think about all the decide what's important. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> we don't even look at all, we don't even look at like, I would say a 10th of our own pictures that we take on our phone. The only reason why we, we look at our old pictures is because it pops up automatically on our smart speaker, you know, in our kitchen, like, which is really cool, by the way, like, saw a picture today is exactly exactly three years ago which was during the lockdown <laughs> during the pandemic and i was like oh yeah that was a fun hike that we took that day you know mm-hmm. um but yeah it's there's just so much data so much information how are they going to do it and they'll probably have an ai do it oh that's how they're going to do it that's right <laughs> <laughs> there we go comes full circle here <laughs> all right uh, i think we're up to our last question yeah uh, I did teach in Omaha, uh, bro- Broad. Uh, I taught at Westside Middle School and Westside High School for a little while. When I student taught. All right. Um, my last question to you, Nick, is oh, I better do the ticker. It's a deep one. I, I actually tweeted this question out, and um, I was a little disappointed with some of the answers because so many people like to add caveats, and I know you probably will too. That's okay. I don't want to like, but. Uh, is every human capable of rehabilitation? Uh, and when I say rehabilitation, I'll read you the definition. It's just from Webster's. The action of restoring someone to health or normal life through... Uh, I can't read my own handwriting. Uh, through therapy um, or some kind of treatment after imprisonment, uh, addiction, or illness. So the action of restoring someone to health or a normal life through bringing them through uh, therapy after imprisonment, um, uh, addiction or illness, is every person capable of rehabilitation? I would say yes, but I'm going to follow that up with some new ones. Caveats. I knew yes. it. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Uh, I think... You know, if something horrible happens to somebody, there's, you know, horrible accident, brain damage or whatever, obviously their life is never going to be what it was before, you know, um, or if like, because people, people change, not just from like physical uh, events, but also emotional events and social events and all these things change people. And so I think that, that, you know, that, new rehabilitated life is going to look different than it did before. Um, And so I think that everyone is capable of reaching a place where they can at least, you know, uh, unless there's like, obviously really severe, like you're, you know, brain dead or whatever obviously you can't be rehabilitated from that but um i think that that's possible i think that you just have to the person has to want it to like that's the beginning of the process you know if the person doesn't want to be rehabilitated then they're never going to be rehabilitated and so i i don't think that every you know while, while everyone can be i don't think that everyone will be that's pretty much what they said on Twitter. And I, I mean, I'll be honest, I was a little disappointed. Because like the question is just like, I mean, 
let's ignore the caveats here. Because like, let's assume that that maybe there's a technology that doesn't even exist yet that can restore. Uh, somebody mentioned that. Oh, I didn't mention injuries. That's a good point. But say that you can, you do have the technology to like get their their brain to change their brain. I guess like okay. Um, I I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about redemption too lately, and because you know, we just as a society, we just generally think that we just have this idea like, oh, someone's a monster. They did something really bad, and either you know, some people will say they they need to be killed and then everybody else will say they need to be locked up forever um i mean if, if that person is locked up forever like say that they do something horrible when they're 25 years old they live to be 100 are they not gonna they're when they're 100 years old or let's just say that when they're 90 years old there's it's just not like it's, you, not the, it's not even the same person. It's not the same person. Like I, I always say I, I'm I would not get along with teenage Mr. Beat. You know, like or you right. know, I would not have much in common with. I would like it's like a stranger. You know, like who is this guy? Oh, get away from me! So how can we be so confident to say, you know, this person just lock him up and don't even give him a chance? They don't let him give. Don't let them see the light of day ever again. And this includes like some of the more uncomfortable crimes that we don't like to talk about, like usually involving sex, uh, like uh, somebody who uh, is a pedophile. That's the worst thing to be called in society. You know, (laughs) like that's the the thing that like, you know, people are like, cut off his hand, you know, like and they're like, yeah, and we'll still like, you know, it's it's obviously an illness. Right. I mean, it's not like uh, I think a lot of people view it as like, well, no, we're going to punish this person. But like, right. what not point is a punishment it. if they're not going to learn from it? Well, I mean, if you punish someone too, that d- 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 doesn't necessarily stop them from doing it. <laughs> right. Again, and so, like, I think a, I think like a, a prison is supposed to be where you you, you it, so you can separate people from society while they're not functioning in it you know right doing horrible things to people they'll still harm people so you gotta lock them up but and 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 then like at some point you know if if they want to rehabilitate i think that it's it's possible through you know various avenues to rehabilitate a person so they won't be that person anymore yeah they won't be treating people like crap they won't you know and violating their personal space and their personhood you know yeah um but it's tricky because like you don't necessarily want any victims of those people to you know that yes to have their trauma resurface and so that's tricky um yeah like i I get that i never forget reading a story about this woman who was just terrified like just because she she had um found out that the person who had raped her um, was released and it it like ruined her life because like you know it's like I mean I guess maybe she sh- it, at some point some I mean if they're there long enough I mean a lot of them are sentenced to life sentences but yeah like she she had not come to terms with that event like that traumatic event had um, had ruined her life but it's like it was like 
like ruined again, you know? So you make a really good point. Right. And so I think like, even if we do rehabilitate people, you have to create like, you know, some kind of restraining order that keeps the people apart, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I know. It's like it's tough. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, we can't ignore the fact that like there are compulsions. People have compulsions to do things. Yeah. Um, and well, sociopaths is a psychopath. So those are the two examples that somebody brought that up in the comments here. Like that's right. typically who we think of. And I'm, I'm a huge proponent of the fact that people have free will. Like we have the ability to make choices, but also those choices aren't necessarily what you think they might be. Yeah. Um, because sometimes there's a compulsion to do one thing that you just don't have the energy to fight or there's uh, some kind of resistance in your brain to keeping you from doing something else, you know? And so like, instead of the, instead of having a choice between two things, you have a choice between this thing and then doing nothing at all because you can't do this thing. Yeah. It's just not, you don't have it in you to, you know, fight the compulsion or overcome the obstacle the mental obstacle or whatever it is. Uh, but if you're talking about, you know, having the technology to alter people's brains, um, I think that if someone chose to have that adjustment made to them, hmm. that that should be an option if it, yeah. it, if it exists. Yeah, no, it's a, well, I do know that, the criminal justice system in the United States is messed up. Uh, I actually just watched recently the, uh, that show that John Stewart has uh, on, on Apple TV. He did a whole episode about, you know, the, the thing that really frustrates me the most is you get a lot of people in prison that it's for a simple drug possession. Um, and it ends up, you know, it be, it's on the record a lot of times for the rest of their lives. They can't get it off their record. And a lot of these people, they can't even vote anymore. It's like they lose their right as a citizen. So that that's really, I mean, I know we can focus on the extreme examples, but I do, I think. But that, I, I think people should be able to vote from jail. I, actually, I do too. <laughs> everyone should be, everyone yeah, should have the right to vote. Like, I, mean, I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, you know, politically, though, that's probably not going to happen. I mean, there's no political will for that to happen. That's yeah, pretty radical to say, actually. Right. But I mean, at the very least, they should get their right to vote back when they get out of jail. They serve their time. They they are different people than when they I mean, um, my second favorite movie of all time is The Shawshank Redemption. And that had a, a big impact on me because before then, before I first saw that, which I think I was like 18 when I saw it, um, I, you know, I had this very childlike uh, view of you do bad things, you get locked up. You never get out, you know, like it's a very childish notion um, when, you know, we, we, we're always changing. We're always changing. And I, I think I'm a better person now than I was probably at any point in my life, except, you know, the first few years of our lives when we're young and innocent before we're corrupted and, you know, <laughs> middle school. <laughs> uh I'm watching my 11 year old now like, Oh, it's, it begins. It begins. Uh, anyway, uh, 
my phone's making weird noises. Okay. Your last question. Uh, it's not very profound or anything. Um, okay. How do you make so much content? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I spent an entire month making this video I just put out, right? And I put out a couple shorts, but I, I was only able to do that because they're recycled TikToks. <laughs> I already made them six months ago, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I am kind of a workaholic. Um, there's that going on with me. And uh, I used to be worse. I used to put in like 60, 70 hour weeks and, you know, like, and I just sacrificed sleep. So I do sleep a lot more these days uh, and I try to make more time, but I'm still bad about like, I, like today, a Sunday, I was uh, working a little bit yesterday. I mean, I, I don't really take many days off. Um, I, your videos are better than mine. So there's that. Uh, <laughs> like I, my videos are like glorified PowerPoints. So the, the animations are crude. Uh, the a lot of times I you know I use stock footage um, that helps cut up some of the time with editing and stuff. The what takes up the most time is the writing and research, which should I think yeah because you're you want to make sure you get the facts straight. And fortunately, a lot of the videos I make it's stuff that I used to teach anyway, so I already kind of have that prior knowledge, so I don't have to dig too deep. Uh, occasionally I, you know, I might make a video about Georgism and I'm like, oh, I better read Henry George. So I know what I'm talking about. So there are exceptions to that where I have to read books and stuff, but, but yeah, like, I think it helps that I, um, I only skim the surface of things, but it's also like more formulaic maybe, maybe than the stuff you do. Cause like, you know, with you, it seems like you you can go you can go at it at many different angles. Where for me, a lot of times I'm just telling a story, you know, like there's a beginning, middle, and end, and like once upon a time. And I even used to begin some of my videos that way, like once upon a time. <laughs> so maybe that's part of it too. I don't know. Do you? How many hours a week do you put in? Would you say? Uh, at least fifty. Yeah. And like I I end up it's it's not like, you know five you know nine and a half hour days or anything it's i i work every day i you, you with this job like you're never away from work and so i try to i try to do like seven you know six hour days or something as much as i can you know because I, I try not to like overwork in a day yeah but i end up i end up working more than 40 hours for sure um and some days, especially like the week before a video goes up, I might end up working like 70 because I'm trying to hit a deadline or something. Mm -hmm. um, but I put a lot of work in. And um, now that my wife also, you know, is helping out with the business, she's handling like back end stuff, sponsors, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, she's also a, a sounding board for me, which is really helpful. But... I, because of that, it's, I, I don't have to work like 90 hours a week, you know? And so that's nice. <laughs> um, but I still, just to keep up with, you know, my one full video a month schedule, I had to hire researchers and fact checkers and stuff. Cause like, I don't have time. I don't have time to do it. Well, you're getting some kind words here from uh, viewers. It was very, oh, yep. I know, I know Trevin. Your videos are higher quality than mine. Uh, 
Oh, and uh, the Science Asylum is hands down the best science YouTuber that exists on the platform. Him and Tom, mm-hmm. Tom Scott? Is, who's Tom Scott? I mean, Tom Scott, maybe? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I've really learned, I've become really efficient with the editing, I think. That's helped a lot. And um, I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, I do know I need to work less and... Um, also, this it's cool that we have that in common, though that, that our wives help us out. And, yeah, and also as, as a sounding board too. That's <laughs> um, yep. And they 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 talk to each other occasionally without us. So yeah, <laughs> probably venting like. Uh, um, all right. Well, I was going to answer Dante's question. If you have any questions for uh, for Nick here. The Science Asylum. Uh, yeah, we'll open it up to the chat. Okay. And Dante, thank you. Uh, just to answer your question as briefly as I can, um, I, the how I think the economic system in the United States will under, undergo a significant change. Um, I don't remember talking about that, but I can tell you, uh, just to kind of off the cuff here, um, I think that what we're going to probably see is another wave of like similar to what we saw in the sixties and the 1930s, where there is going to be more government involvement in the economy uh, in terms of restructuring um, things to make it so that, you know, the working class actually has more power. We're already seeing that shift in, in terms of unions or, or there's a resurgence with unions. Um, there's more and more talk about wealth inequality than ever like there has been in my life. Um, but I do think universal basic income is probably going to be the end result. along with, there's probably still going to be a, a safety net, a welfare system of some sort to complement that. I don't think that's ever going away, but I think that because of technology and because of extreme wealth inequality, we're, it's probably inevitable at this point. And I just don't think enough people are realizing it. <laughs> Uh, hopefully that answered your question. All right. We have any other, let's see here. Yeah. Yeah. What you got chat? Oh yeah. He, I, you knew that George Washington was president from 1789 to 1797. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I knew that. <laughs> okay. I'm just trying to find questions here. What's your favorite specialty of science? What's uh, God S? What's that mean? I don't know. <laughs> so, what, what would you say are you are you most comfortable talking about? Which field of science or or branch? Um, I like. Uh, I mean, obviously, I like physics because that's what I got into, but. Um, I am always so fascinated by psychology. Yeah. Uh, I think, I just think it's, it's so cool that we're like trying to understand people. (laughs) Even if we don't always do a great job, um, it's, it's fascinating. I've been, I've, I've always been fascinated with people in general uh people watching has been a thing that i've done since i was i was a little kid you know 
you're trying to, oh, like, oh, this, this, this social interaction is interesting. What are you doing here? How is this working? You know, why are you doing that with your, you know, your eyebrows or whatever? You know, I, you try to like, I try to analyze everything. Um, and so psychology is cool. I, I, I like it. Uh, it's, I know people, people try to like, be like, oh, you know, it's a soft science, but like, I don't even know what that means. Soft science. Like, I feel like that's, that's, that's like saying that like rap isn't music. Of course it's music. Yeah. Psychology is science. Like, I don't understand. I I just think if it's a soft science, I just think it, it means it's, it's more difficult to take out the human imperfections maybe yeah and i mean if it, it, that makes it harder it's certainly a harder science as in more difficult um, <laughs> We're confused but like that. i don't maybe maybe so, soft as in it's less predictable i i, I don't yeah. know I, I it seems it feels like a jab though when people say that it does now psychology uh, is criminally un underrated uh yeah I like it. I think it's cool. I think I think it's cool that we're we're trying even if we fail sometimes. Hoser is here. I'm collaborating with Hoser here in a few weeks, so good to see you. When is AI going to take over YouTube? Um, I would say actually it's already starting to take over. There are channels that you can tell everything is AI generated. It's pretty. They're crappy videos, but they still get lots of views because I mean I've gone to uh, Chat GPT to suggest. Um, what I should put on thumbnails and what should I title videos after like inputting the script. And it's been mm -hmm. helpful. It's helped a little bit. Yeah. I've done, I've done it with titles too. And I don't end up using the titles that it gives me, but it, it, it like points me in a direction where I finally like figure out what the, what the right title is. So I use it as inspiration. Yeah, that's definitely uh, pizza for me. What's your favorite food dish? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I love pizza. Yes, pizza FW. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, you get the Who, best. Whose favorite world. food isn't pizza? You can put everything on there. You get all the food groups on the on the, on the uh, yeah. yeah. You put whatever you want on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what? Oh, Harrison. What traditions would you like to see be reintroduced to U.S. education? reintroduce i mean more real world stuff like i know oh yeah sure yeah like my mom was telling me when she was in high school like it was mandatory for at least at her high school in the 70s um everybody had to take some kind of home ec class uh, and learn sewing and cooking and stuff like this uh i feel like that's not that's been pushed to the side um yeah and i mean i still remember how to sew because of that class Oh, yeah. And it's been a valuable skill. <laughs> I've gotten to keep shirts longer than, than other people because I can sew <laughs> them back together, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, at least if they break at the seam. But, um, yeah, uh, I think teaching everyday math skills, you know, how to do your taxes, mm, how to, you know, estimate what your groceries are going to cost as you put them in a cart, you know? Budgeting. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Terry is here. Good to see you. <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry if I missed any here. What's what's the hardest part about teaching uh, 
I would say making it relevant because we're passionate about our content, but it's just hard to get other people to be passionate about it. Yeah. Some people just, I mean, some things just don't like, they're very exciting for you and they, no one else is going to care. I mean, and it's a bummer. I think that's helped us make videos because we're, I mean, you, you have, you, I'm assuming, even though it's a little bit different dynamic in college, because they, they want, I mean, they pay to be there, but like, you know, they, they're not going to be like, when you're staring at 25 people looking back at it, you're just kind of, you know, their body language is not good. Yeah. I mean, you're still like, I, I always say that, that teaching is, it, it's not about, it's only like one quarter about giving them knowledge. The other three quarters is performance. Yes. You just have to keep them interested. And I generally did that by being ridiculous in classrooms. <laughs> yeah, I was the type too that I busted out my guitar. I would just start singing to them. I would, would jump on my desk randomly. Uh, I would, mm -hmm. I did whatever I could sometimes just get their attention. Yeah, I try to keep them involved. Like if I if I had a uh, I was doing going to do like a physics problem on the board as something was falling out of a tree or whatever, um, <laughs> just for fun I'd make it a squirrel or something, you know, um, and then I'd get the students involved. You know, I'd be like, okay, start giving me numbers. How high is the you know how high is this branch? You know, like what? How long does it take? You know, how long does it take for the squirrel to hit the ground? You know, that sort of stuff. And then they they come up with numbers, and then I try to pick the most ridiculous numbers I can I hear, <laughs> so that uh, the answers come out absurd. And yeah. then we, we can talk about like, okay, well now let's think about these answers. You know, do they make sense? Would this happen in real life? You know, and so, like, I tried to teach it as if it was, um, you know, I try to get them thinking. It wasn't just about doing stuff. Oh, that's, yeah. Teaching them how to think, um, not what to think. Right. Uh, that Always playing the devil's advocate was something I did too. It's like, I, I didn't, I wanted them uncomfortable. Making them uncomfortable was one of my daily goals. Like, you know, oh, you think you have the world figured out, Mr. 15-year-old. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. I had a good question there. So, oh, this is a good one. I know we probably better wrap it up here soon, but Trevin had a great question uh, and great last name too. Uh, <laughs> would you rather your videos have a large initial impact or a long-term relevance? Ooh, I think long-term relevance. That's what I, I mean. I, I mean, it helps with our educational YouTubers. A lot of times we kind of benefit from having evergreen content as they say, because it's yeah. like the information a lot of times doesn't need to be updated or at least not that often. So, right. Uh, long-term is definitely better. I mean, that large initial impact is nice. Uh, but there's, there's a few videos that like, uh, I tried what I, I tried out, like making an initial impact title and thumbnail combo up front. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if this is what they're asking, but, uh, and then about six months later when everything died down and it settled down, I made the title more searchable and the thumbnail, you know, more like descriptive mm -hmm. so that people that were hunting for the topic would find the thing because it's probably not going to come up in their feed randomly at that point. Um, but if, if Trevin means like 
societal impact and relevance. Uh, I, I don't know if most of my stuff has either of those things. Yeah. It's, that's not the goal. Right. <laughs> I mean, you're, I mean, I'm not changing anybody's, anybody's lives. Well, but again, you, you can get cheesy here. You could say it's always the goal of making the world a better place. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I like it. I like that, you know, people are getting educated and stuff. That's great. That's always good. I mean, that that's an impact. Um, but I'm not like changing the world or anything. But when I watch your videos, you get me thinking in ways I've never thought before. And I think that carries over to a lot of other things. So I, I, I would say you should give yourself more credit. <laughs> Will you watch the Premier League anytime? I, uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not really that much into uh, soccer slash football. I used to play it. I actually played in college, but uh, I don't really watch a lot of it. I watch a little bit of MLS because I get it now, and I'm a sporting KC fan. Are you? Do you watch sports? Uh, not really. I mean, I'm I'm aware of them, you know, but it, it's never really been. Uh, I'm aware of them. <laughs> an interest of mine. I mean, my my family, like my brother, my little brother was big into hockey. Oh, cool. And so I'm very familiar with hockey because the family sport. hall just dove deep into it. Yeah, yeah. Did he ever get in a fight? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> educational backgrounds. I, I have a three. Those are my educational uh, ma ma master's in history, uh, bachelor's education, um, bachelor's in journalism and a lot of student loan debt there you go what you uh, I've, got, I've got a, a bachelor's in physics research and a master's in physics with a specialization in astrophysics i don't know that's actually what I meant to say earlier when I said astronomy. I meant to say astrophysics, and I like totally said the wrong word. So sorry about that. That's okay. It, yeah. it, they're used interchangeably a lot. It's it's fine. I'm not offended by it. <laughs> I think yeah. it's one of those things where like, uh, you know, people in the field know the difference. That there's a technical difference between the two words, but not a, you know, a common common language difference. I think. Yeah. Uh, still paying it off <laughs> for in my case. Uh, um, all right, I think we're caught up on. Oh, wait, what industries would work better without a profit mo profit motive? Good question, Jason. I, I would say, I mean, there's a whole category in economics that we teach about called public goods and services. So, generally, um, medicine. Well, I mean, yeah, you can make medicine as a, I mean. <laughs> That's, That's my feeling about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's arguments against me on there on that, that aspect, but well, I would say if you look at, I mean, generally collectivism is reserved for things that like it's making sure that it's going to benefit society as a whole. So like, yeah, education, uh, infrastructure, also the, the private sector can't sufficiently take care of it without screwing it up. Um, there's just some markets where it just doesn't work well in the private sector. I'm, I mean, I'm yeah, a big, some, some things need to happen, even if they're going to function at a loss. Right. Like the, po like the postal service, you know, right. it's a, uh, there's people that depend on it, that if, if it was left up to the private sector, 
um, UPS and FedEx, uh, the uh, DHS, they'd be like, screw you rural areas. We're not going to go out there and take, I mean, a lot of rural America depends heavily on the postal service and would be screwed without it. <laughs> um, what is the most ethical and beneficial company to mankind? And why is it Raytheon? It's not Raytheon. My, my mom, we used to work for Raytheon, by the way. Uh, yeah, no, Raytheon uh, kind of is notorious with it's a big part of the military industrial complex these days, uh, making stuff to destroy the world and kill people. <laughs> I don't know if you have, any, you have anything to say about Raytheon. I do, I've never even heard of it. <laughs> Seriously? It sounds like it's for the best. <laughs> uh oh thank thanks for the uh kind words there about the Oregon Trail video. Uh you know what I want to I would you make a long form documentary, Nick? Uh I think I'd be open to it. I mean it's it's harder obviously. I mean you know. Um I generally don't go over 20 minutes. Um I think I might have gone to 30 once. Uh, but I, I think, I think I could make an, an, a, a full feature length documentary about nuclear energy, but it would require yeah. a lot of, a lot of planning and stuff. Are you pro nuclear energy? Do I what? Do, would you like to see more nuclear energy? Uh, yeah, I think, I think it can be done. I mean, obviously there's a, uh, you know, societal fear behind that. And that's something that we take into consideration. But I think that um, it, it's generally, you know, statistically, it's very safe. Um, yeah. When it goes wrong, it goes very wrong. And that's why it scares people. But it, it barely ever goes wrong. And yeah. so there's been like, what, three major instances in history, you know, um, and otherwise it's very clean, you know, water vapor is the, is what's released to the, the air and, 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 um, the waste is very, uh, we know, we know how to control it and store it now. Um, it's pretty safe. Chernobyl just really had that. It just ruined effect. it. It ruined yeah, it. For yeah. And then we were maybe coming around to it. And then Japan had the thing. And like, it's, it, it's societal fears are really hard to get over. Yeah. Uh, Jake says, would professors make better politicians? I, Elizabeth Warren, she used to be a professor at uh, Harvard, I believe. Um, I, I think she's okay. I, I mean, I don't know that that's generally true though. I think um, some people make good politicians and, you know, I don't know if being a professor makes you any more likely Lawrence Lessig ran for president. He's a professor that I follow, and he's not. I mean, the thing is, you have to have charisma, right? Uh, and some some professors don't. <laughs> uh, I mean, and I'd, I'd like it if we could focus on like what they would actually do and their track record. But most people are just like, I want I want a president that I, I could have a beer with. And yeah. it's like that's not really going to reflect on their ability to govern. Yeah. I mean, they'd make good advisors for sure. Yeah. Uh, who would win an American gladiator? Um, Mrs. Beat or your uh, significant other? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, 
<laughs> we don't have to answer that. I don't think it's a good idea if we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to just glide uh, right past that one. We'll take a couple more here. Um, <laughs> Francis asks, uh, have schools lost their academic rigor in the face of societal forces? I'm not sure exactly what you mean by that, but rigor is something that I think has always been, at least my whole life, it's been something that people have been concerned about. Like, oh, the kids aren't really being challenged enough in schools. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't think I don't think that's true. I mean, it, as far as like college goes, my my experience there was wasn't a lack of rigor. It was a lack of direction. Um, every you know group within the organization has a different opinion about what college is for. Mm, yeah, you know, teachers have one opinion, and administrators have another opinion, and then students have a different opinion, and so like it's very difficult to like market it and, <laughs> and, and direct the academics when you don't know what, why it's there. Yeah. I, I've talked about this a little bit with other, like uh, other edge tubers on, on in streams. And I think it's like the biggest problem with schools. I think a lot of times is um, we don't, cater to the students it's too standardized it's too one size fits all which makes sense because it's easier that way and it's don't necessarily have all the resources we need especially public schools but i think when how, students how, are, yeah how, how schools should be run doesn't scale well yeah yep that's a good way to summarize it uh this person has been trying to get my attention i, I was like they spam in your chat okay i see you i see yes i knew that i made a video about this yes <laughs> He keeps saying, answer, answer, answer. Do you know this? Answer. <laughs> All right. Uh, Some people get real intense in the chat. I thought, oh, no, I, I love it. <laughs> there he goes again. Just ask the ticket. <laughs> uh, I, do, I do have some more European comparison videos. Oh, yeah, that'd be good to, to do uh, Czech Republic and Slovakia. Yeah, those are on my list. Um. Anyway, I think we'll uh, wrap it up here. Um, it's been about three hours after all. <laughs> so uh, I really enjoyed talking to you, Nick. Uh, thanks for doing this uh, with me. And it's just a great ex excuse to just hang out, isn't it? I agree. <laughs> and you know what's weird? It's when we when we met. By the way, it was 2018. Oh, 2018. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. You, you, were, you weren't sure. And I just want to confirm. Um, <laughs> when I went, I went to those like you know conventions or whatever and i thought for sure i'm like i'm gonna go there i'm gonna link it up with all these science people and then i ended up making friends with several humanities creators like yourself you know and <laughs> and it was just this very surprising outcome you know yeah uh, I, I tried so hard to connect with like other physics people and it just wasn't clicking and then you know i met you and i met like uh you know alliterative you know even in mark yeah, yeah um and we all just clicked yeah yeah um, knowing better yep yep i i noticed that as well like it's uh the ones i was like that well and i think uh the channels that we were like fans of we were a little intimidated by anyway like, like i remember you were like really nervous to talk to diana and uh by the way uh 
I wish her well right now. She's yeah. going through a tough time. Uh, I did end up talking to her and we became friends and it was, it's wild, but she's uh, a very sweet person. Um, I only tragic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of great people in the science YouTuber community, but yeah, I, I do find that like sometimes just the personalities are, you know, like, uh, I really, yeah, it's just, Honestly, I don't even watch a lot of history content on YouTube. <laughs> it's embarrassing. To, but I mean, it's also like you're constantly comparing yourself. So I feel like it's better for me to watch like other disciplines anyway. Yeah. So I pretty much watch every video of yours. And uh, yeah, just mm -hmm. everyone subscribe. Science Asylum. Check it out. I'll put a link in the description. Mm -hmm. uh, anything, any final parting words for the audience? Uh no, I mean, I just, I always have a good time with, uh, with Mr. Beat here. So, <laughs> well, thanks. um, hopefully you all did, you had a good time with us. So thanks for being here, everyone. We'll see you next time. Enjoy the rest of your day.